Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. back everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 122 and this week we are continuing the year interview 2019 series um here at wrestling omakase uh last week of course we did world wrestling entertainment which uh, as you're we just talking about off air was a almost shockingly well-received episode so <laughs> thank you if you listened to that and enjoyed it uh i kind of can't believe how much positive feedback we got about it but uh I'm very, I'm very grateful because it's always my, uh, it's always the episode I'm most frightened about every year because at the end of the day, it's just three people complaining about wrestling, which, you know, there's so many podcasts for that, but hey, people like it apparently. So what are you going to do? But this week we're going to talk about something I do like quite a bit more and there's probably going to be a lot less complaining here. Uh, It is the Joshi year interview episode. Uh, and joining me on this episode is Taylor. Once again, welcome back. Thank you, Blackjack. Episode twenty-one for me. Oh, that's uh, good. So excited to I be here. I have to pay you what two point or one point five times of the zero dollars I pay you. I guess yes. <laughs> uh, but welcome back. Thanks. Happy to be here. Excited to talk about um, you know what I thought was a really good, exciting year in Joshi wrestling. Uh, also returning to the show for, I think the first time since last year's yeah, Joshi this year is, interview. This right? is this is my patch now, the uh, Joshi year end review. Yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome back, Luke. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it, it has been. It's been a really eventful year, actually. I think, um, yeah. especially these past few months. Like, I feel like we could fill the two hours just talking about these past few months. So, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, so that's that's a good place to start, I guess. Let's talk about, you know, the big, big story in Joshi this year, because it ties into the first brochure we're going to talk about, which is, of course, uh, Bushiroad buying stardom. Um, 
first of all, you know, I, I think a lot of people probably have mixed feelings on this. Um, you know, I, I, would you either of you disagree that it's like the big story in Joshi? No, no, it, it is. It feels like a leveling up of a certain kind of, uh, yeah. So Joshi's been getting bigger. It's been getting more exposure for the past few years. And this just feels like uh, even, even more so than TJP having the, you know, the, the big TV backing. Um, this feels like the next step, I think, for Joshi as a whole. <clears throat> so yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. You were no, no, go ahead, go ahead and finish my point. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree. I definitely think, and you know, we'll talk about stardom, but it's, it's funny because it's such a big story that, you know, it may bury a little bit that star. I thought stardom had a really good year, but I think yeah. when people look back, when people look back on this year, and I don't think it's wrong to think of this is going to be the, the sort of thing that people think back and remember. I think most about this year. Um, even though it isn't an in-ring, you know, a match or anything like that. Um, but it's obviously a, a huge um, story. And I think no matter how it goes, John, you mentioned, you know, people sort of being mixed on their feelings on this. And I think no matter how it goes, um, it's going to be a big shift for, obviously, for stardom. But I think it may, you know, cause a shift in the scene as a whole. Yeah, just just to like for people who are sort of saying what you know, why would anyone have mixed feelings about this? Um, my my concern, and I think it's one that's shared by a lot of fans of Joshi, um, you know, of, of especially of smaller promotions, um, is that with Stardom having this backing, with TJP having the backing they have, and then with WWE and AEW, <clears throat> you now have these kind of four centers of gravity almost for women's wrestling uh for women's wrestlers coming from japan and there is a sort of worry especially with the way that aew and nxt have kind of been counter programming each other with their presentation of joshi um that maybe tjp and stardom might start doing the same thing and stardom have already kind of <laughs> quite ruthlessly uh <laughs> gone about um i won't say raiding the scene because really it's only been one uh one episode we're talking about here but um they've shown that they are willing to um you know not honor uh <laughs> conventional agreements uh with regards to contracts um in order to acquire you know what they see as being the best talent on the scene um so it is a little bit of a there's a bit of a concern about monopolization there i think um, i mean if you if you look at it and think probably this was in the works all year which i think they even kind of officially said yeah they they've alluded like, to confirmed. it anyway yeah, yeah so you could say i mean what this year you could say you had um you know you have cassandra miyagi go there and that was like <laughs> what the right the star of the year <laughs> from sendai girls you have riho go there from gato you know, while she's also doing AEW. And then you have obviously the, what, the Judas in the, I don't know how to yeah. say it. The, the Judas, no, in, the her Judas mind. in her mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, going to, going to start. What, whoever did that, I think it was Can of Sprite on Twitter, who actually like changed the entrance music to her coming out to <laughs> uh, the Judas. That was fucking amazing. I have to give a special shout out to him in this year interview episode. But yeah, uh, the Judas, the you know the the the, the real Joshi Judas 
I guess you could say, uh, Julia from uh, Ice Ribbon. Yeah. So that was that was something. But yeah, the, the drama definitely... just just for people who only know about Julia now that she's in stardom um, or only kind of first heard about her because of that move. Um, the, <laughs> us Ice Ribbon fans were not happy about this one bit because she um, she was. So her tag team partner, Tequila Sire, was scheduled to retire at um, a show, um, I think it was in October. And Julia basically um, submitted her resignation and uh, turned up in stardom within the space of about 24 hours um, just before this show was meant to happen. Tequila Sire therefore postponed her retirement so that she could fulfill Julia's dates. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a mess. It, it was such a mess. Like Julia's this kind of um, was this rising star that had you know been a fixture in in this uh, in the Ice Ribbon Dojo with this kind of generation of new talent that's coming through. And I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, but that Bushi Road money was clearly, you know, on the table and offered to her. And yeah, you, you, I mean, you... yeah. I mean, you have to say, I mean, obviously, it's you know, more money coming in the scene is great for the wrestlers. I mean, mm. you know, from what I understand, everybody on the Stardom roster got like a pay bump, so mm. that's cool. But like, you know, obviously, if you're a fan of these smaller promotions and you see already, you know, I just mentioned three names that have already kind of just gravitated towards that start of money. You have to be worried, you know, who, like who else to start and want and who else is willing to go. And like, you know, are we going to lose even more talent from our promotions? It is a interesting question. And then, like you said before, you have Tokyo Joshi who also like, you know, I mean, people forget they, they took, uh, God, what's her name? Not Maki. Yeah. Yeah. From, from actress girl z right isn't that where she came from yes and then like and then they took uh you know i mean that 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 was a jump that happened again probably because they offered her more money and they have that cyber agent backing and i don't know if people think of that as much as you know it's not quite as obvious to people as bushi road since bushi road obviously owns new japan which is uh, you know the the big player in the japanese wrestling scene but like cyber agent is a gigantic company it's bigger is is it not bigger than bushi road it is bigger than bushi road yeah i mean they could do whatever the fuck they want you know they don't clearly they don't spend as much money on ddt as bushi road spends on new japan but also ddt you know doesn't bring in the same level of revenue but that's again a giant corporation that if they you know i mean there is a scenario where they get in a fucking like talent raid war with yeah. uh with Bushiro. I mean, for the most part, they've seen content they've seemed like content to you know raise their own type of raise their own like wrestlers, you know, like really train their own wrestlers and bring new blood in the scene, which is great. But they could just decide they're gonna sign some more people next year. We don't know. I mean, that's Mimaki could have been like the start of it. Because so, they don't, don't they know. don't have too much interest in interacting with the rest of the scene either. Like you yeah. say, you know, they they're contributing to the scene, but you know, I, I guess this is not to jump ahead too much. But one of my sort of minor gripes with TJP is that they don't let some of those girls out more um, because I think they could really benefit from it. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it, it could it could well happen. Um, 
you forget as well that Hannah Kimura signed a contract with Stardom this year. So Oh yeah, um, that's true too. Yeah. And and now there's maybe I mean, we don't really know what's gonna happen, but Sari is definitely gonna be appearing for them. So, you know, yeah, that... so it sounds like she's still going to WWE, but like yeah, we sadly. don't know for sure. And there aren't there rumors floating around about uh Reika Psyche maybe going to stardom? I have not heard those, but they wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I heard that. Yeah, or so, yeah, or something. Like, going, she's going somewhere. Yeah, because she's resigning from Wrestle One. I think that is confirmed, right? Yeah, I mean, Which but I their mean, women's division has, you know, <laughs> it's not been a huge yeah. success. I mean, Reika Psyche and Hana Kimura were both at Wrestle One at one point, and Hana, you know, eventually resigned. And basically, Hana was wrestling for. Uh, you know, Stardom and Sendai Girls at the same time, and other companies mm. too. At the same time, she was signed to Russell One, uh, and she ended up resigning for Russell One and then signing with Stardom like almost immediately. And obviously, Reika Psyche was doing Tokyo Joshi a lot. I mean, she was her champion while signed with Russell One. She stepped down away from Tokyo Joshi. She stayed with Russell One. She was doing Actress Girl Z a lot this year, right? She won the title, yeah. Yeah, um, but that was just before she got injured, so she had to, yeah, vacate, she had to vacate, yeah. yeah. And now, you know, if she resigns from Russell One, I, I would again expect her to either go, either go back to Tokyo Joshi or to sign with Stardom. I don't know why else she would do that. So, I mean, she it, she, she clearly doesn't have to resign from Russell One to continue <laughs> wrestling at Actress Girl Z or whatever. So, yeah, would they notice even? <laughs> but yeah. it's 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 become a thing now where, I, and it kind of started with. Um, Cassandra Miyagi, uh, that that whenever anybody says the, they're going freelance, it's like right they're either going to <laughs> Stardom, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, AEW, or hope fingers crossed not WWE. So yeah. this has happened recently with Sauriano from Actress Girls. Um, so she, my my guess, there would be Stardom, um, but that's kind of just a guess. Yeah. Uh, but but this is now code, you know, when, when a wrestler leaves their home promotion and says they're going freelance, it's going to mean one of these four things. And well, 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 guess what? It means the same fucking shit in men's wrestling, too. Yeah. In Japan. Because, yeah. like, Taiji Ishimori, I'm going to America. I'm going freelance. He's Bone Soldier Reborn two days later. Uh, <laughs> Shingo Takagi, I'm going freelance. You know, a month later, he's the dragon. I mean, people were joking when Irie, I think it was a... Uh, Actually, I had on my guest, Jamie, a couple of weeks ago for the DDT episode. He was like, when Irie resigned uh, DDT to go to become freelance, people were like, is he going to show up in New Japan as the dramatic dream fighter or something? Yeah. <laughs> they love doing the nicknames based on the rest of the promotion they came from. So, yeah, I mean, like the, but yeah, I mean, like it, it's become a, a kind of a thing. And he even he ended up going to fucking Stronghearts immediately. So, I mean, like it, it is a thing where like you go, you kind of just go to, you say you're going freelance, but it's really like I have a plan. I'm. I see you later. I think so, that I mean, some it's usually the, New Japan, but I think that some of the people who were upset with the um, uh, the Julia thing um, were were connecting it to the uh, Kenta thing. Like yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw yeah, a fair yeah. bit of that. You know, like God, it's just it's gone to the dogs, hasn't it? Like nobody has respect <laughs> for company loyalty anymore. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think I, people, People have to be a little fair, and I I get it because I I used to get really upset when people signed with WWE, and I've tried to get more uh, realistic about it. And it's like, if the pay is so much better, 
you kind of can't really blame them. I mean, they want, you know, they want to make a fucking living and comfortably. Mm. I mean, you kind of have to understand that to a degree. But like that to me is also the, you know, that that's the upside. On the other hand, the way you want to look at it is is having Bushiroad in with stardom, having Tokyo, you know, the backing with Tokyo Joshi. It's like at least there's now other options that pay well other than going to fucking WWE, you know? Absolutely. I mean, we could have I would much rather have Julia and start on the WWE. I think yeah. almost and, anyone listening to that this would agree. And if one of the one of the gripes is that you've, you're taking these um, performers out of the context that kind of molded them um, and putting them into something a little bit more kind of homogenous, um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's like stardom is. It, it may be more homogenous than Ice Ribbon, but my goodness, like yeah. <laughs> I would much rather she was working there than yeah than. I mean, and again, and that's the other thing you have to mention with Stardom specifically is it was either Bushiro buying it or it was going to be NXT Japan. It was going to yeah. be a beach pen. And like, my God, thank that. That I mean, I really feel I hate to say it for a corporation, but like Bushiro fucking saved her asses with this one. I mean, yeah. if they had act, if NXT Japan had access to that stardom roster, first of all, which is already over with a lot of Americans or, you know, a, a, a niche of Americans. And second of all, you know, has this, has this like, you know, they're, they're, stardom has already before any of the raids has one of the bigger, you know, actual rosters of talent. I mean, mm. that would have fucking sucked. So. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, no other way to say it. that would have fucking sucked. If that was, yeah. if, they, if they were the NXT Japan women's roster. It would have been a total waste of, of yeah. you know, some of these girls' talents. I mean, we've fo- focused kind of on, on a lot of negatives there, but I, I think that to look at it on the, you know, to look at all of this on the bright side, I think that this has definitely been like a big year of forward momentum for stardom, even before the, the takeover, like more so than any of the years I've been watching. Um, I think around the time I started watching, there was the fear of EO and Kyrie leaving and then the reality of EO and Kyrie leaving. And it feels like there's been a bit of kind of um, reshuffling and resetting and consolidation. And it really felt like they were kind of growing again in a, in a clear new direction this year. I, d- I don't know if you two kind of agree with that. What do you think Taylor? Yeah, I do. It felt like for, um, I think because EO was going to go to WWE and then she had that neck um, issue that they flagged Mm. and then she sort of came back, but everyone knew that she was probably going to leave at some point. It felt like a very slow sort of end to that, that was sort of dragged out and it sort of made it a bit strange where she was the big star, but you knew that at some moment she was going to leave. So it felt sort of like, well, yeah, she's a big star, but does it really, you know, what's really the point? Because at some point, you know, in X amount of time, she's going to be leaving um, because Kyrie left way before her. So it was sort of a dragged out period. And I feel like now, um, like you said, they're sort of free of that and they're able to sort of do their own thing and start establishing, you know, new people or getting, you know, solidifying the you know the higher ups on the roster so yeah i i definitely i definitely agree with that yeah and they use the they they you know they use that kind of like coda to eo's time in stardom to 
build Momo up. You know, they had those two matches um, in the first half of last year and they kind of um, laid the groundwork for Momo's white belt run where she ended up this year breaking the record for the number of defences. And then they used that to get Arisa Hoshiki over as the new, you know, the new white belt champion, which I think was, you know, it felt like a really well done arc. Um, that 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 match where Hoshiki won the belt was was really well executed, I thought. So it's good good to bring up Momo because I think that's one of the more interesting stories of the year is where she, you know, she has this first half of the year, which is the end of her white belt <laughs> reign, where like. Up and up until when she loses the belt, I mean, I I think she had a good case for being like best in the world, not just yeah. in Joshi, but anywhere. And like she loses the title in May to Hoshiki, and she did go pretty quiet after that for the rest of the year. And it seems like you know there's rumors going around that like, uh, you know the Bushiro people aren't as into her or something, or they don't really, you know, think she should be pushed to the top right away. Like, um, you know, they they apparently they're, it seems like they're flagging like Utami as someone who should get a push and like uh you know hoshiki and some other people and it's like maybe they just they they think momo's you know so young they can wait on her a little more or something but like you know they also seem to like the bigger wrestlers it should be said too but like you know so it, it is interesting if that's the case but like she had such a great like almost half a year that it, when it came time to rate her you know and rate the rest of it's like how do I do this really? Because she yeah. didn't really go quiet after that, but like she was so fucking good. I had the exact that, same uh, issue. Like that yeah. looking back over my, you know, uh my favorite matches from the first half of the year, so many of them involve Momo. And then I kind of fell off with stardom, not not because Momo lost the belt or anything, just because I I'd sort of had less time in the second half of the year. And I didn't realize how much she'd yeah, how much she'd kind of drifted away from the from the limelight because we had the same thing with uh, Miu, actually. It's, their um, arcs this year have been quite comparable in that, um, you know, they they owned the first half of the year. And Momo, as much as Miu, was hitting this kind of stride of just being, like, just an ace, you know? <laughs> like, just, just, an, just an absolutely fully formed ace that you really wanted to see lose the title. You know, but every time she didn't lose the title, you were like, oh, okay, well done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it would it would be a real shame if they didn't, you know, she she's shown what she can do and it would be a shame if they kind of clipped her wings, you know. Yeah, what do you think about this too? I do think it's interesting. I was going to mention it during the previous discussion, but something that I'll be, you know, looking out for moving forward is this, you know, it's nice that stardom is there to prevent people from going to WWE, but their roster is already um, fairly big, as you mentioned, with a lot of talent. And the question is going to be, I think, moving forward, you know, the sort of the joke has always been with Jungle that she never, um, you know, sort of is in the spot that a lot of people think she should be. And I think that that is going to, you know, especially if they keep signing these people, you know, WWE can sort of sign these people because they can put them on all these different programs or they can do a, you know, a May Young Classic where they, you know, have that programming where it's going to be interesting to see if stardom keeps signing people, where do all these people 
sort of end up position wise, you know, they run these shows that have, you know, sometimes, you know, five matches on a show and pretty soon it's going to be, you know, a fight for the room uh, to get on the card. So I think that unfortunately this thing that sort of happens to jungle where I think everyone recognizes that she's hugely talented um, may start happening to more people. It may, you know, happen to Momo. I don't know. Maybe next year she turns it around and she wins a belt again. And then, you know, this is all um, just sort of hysteria, but I, that is something I look at and I say, wow, the roster is getting really big. And if they keep signing the top talent, of you know the rest of the scene there's going to be some top people who end up you know in the mid card or sort of in some people's opinions sort of toiling away below where they should be i just had a look and there's there's about 25 full-time members of the stardom roster currently um which i would guess makes it maybe the biggest roster in joshi i mean this year they were able to um fill out the uh, five-star Grand Prix blocks um, with very little, um, you know, international kind of non-signed talent. Um, And I think they even expanded the blocks as well. Um, I can't remember exactly how many there were in each. uh, But but yeah, it's it's getting to a point. I think it's eight in each block. I'm just looking. Um, But they're getting to a point now where, yeah, they they can rely on a full-time roster. They don't have to bring in outside talent like they used to. Um, but they're already pretty much at saturation point. Um, you know, there was only, I think, I think only one like international kind of freelancer in the five-star Grand Prix this year. Um, and the rest other than, um Samurai Natsu were were all kind of full time. So <laughs> they can't really bring in too many more without yeah, without having to give up spots for people who deserve it. I have to say by the way too, maybe the best I don't know why I just thought this, I guess because international freelancer. So yeah, I mean like the good thing about Bushiro buying the company, or one of the good things, is you know, you don't get NXT UK folks showing up and just beating everybody uh, and then because they can't job and then leaving. It's like, God bless Tony Storm. She can have fun being NXT UK champion. I did not need that uh, mini return this year. Oh, it's God, very, I completely forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, I hated, I hated that. Yeah. So, yeah. No one so I don't think that. we're not, we're not going to see that anymore. And especially after they told to fuck off when they wanted to buy them. So that's good. That's I, I don't think anyone would argue that's like unequivocally good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally on board with that. But now but- Tony Storm will take uh, Rossi Ogawa's place in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe? I still can't believe they did that. Why the fuck is this Japanese businessman going to give a fuck about the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, he's so fucking stupid. They they didn't do the most basic research because because if they offered him a place in the CMLL Hall of Fame, <laughs> he'd have bitten their hand off. Well, I mean, look the 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 best thing about this year was the Japanese scene just revealing themselves as like the opposite of the fucking marks in the British scene. Absolutely, I, I enjoyed that. 
everybody tell them the fuck off. Uh, so one other thing too, before we move on from stardom, um, you know, obviously for a particular interest for people listening to this is there, you know, stardom's a very international promotion. Uh, they have like, the English speaking, you know, uh, service and everything like that. The English subtitled service and the English Twitter, which is cool. Um, you know, this year they, they ran a show in New York that Taylor and I attended and, you know, I would say that show was an unequivocal success. I mean, other than the bottom rope being busted, I don't know what complaint you could have about it. I mean, they they presented a pretty authentic stardom show with, you know, even the foreigners on the show were all foreigners that appear in stardom or have appeared in stardom. And, you know, they gave you a great semi-main event with uh, Momo and Utami. And the crowd was like, you know, the crowd knew everybody. They were into everybody. It was very much like the DET show from the night before, or, or the, yeah, the night before, where, like, you know, you could tell this was a crowd that knew their stardom, and they were very excited to see everybody. Um, we also got, sorry to, uh, to cut you off, but we also got in the in the UK, we also got um, stardom coming over for uh, Pro Wrestling Eve's uh, Wrestle Queendom weekend. So that meant we got a... Mayu Iwatani versus Kagetsu singles match in York Hall that got a standing ovation. Um, so yeah, we we got a bit of that as well. But uh, the other point I wanted to make, though, I mean, Taylor, do you want to say anything about that show really quickly? The start of a US show. No, it was great. I had a good time. Um, you know, they made us stand in the rain for forty-five minutes. Um, <laughs> but once we got in the building, uh, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, I, I would probably, you know, this isn't a DDT show. I put it probably slightly below the, you know, the DDT show, but it was still uh, I agree. Um, really great. So, you know, the other thing about that is obviously there were lots of rumors slash speculation that they didn't have work visas for everybody. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why people came to that conclusion. Um, you know, the fact that they didn't announce a card until the girls got off the plane and <laughs> were in oh, yeah. they photographed in JFK. They had a video ready and everything. Yeah, and I remember that it, night. They posted like the moment after these girls were photographed at JFK. <laughs> it was, and you could just, didn't they kind of have a look on their face like, uh, I can't believe it got away with this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember and, everyone just freaking out, being like, Rossi, he did it. He got them all in. <laughs> But uh, but yes, obviously Bushi Road, probably not going to go that route. But mm. uh, you know they have the girls that already did have work visas through Ring of Honor. Like there was there's some like uh, Mayu and Hana, and like Mayu and uh and Tom Nakano are on the the Kara Expo thing going on in California this weekend. So they're going to be there. That's like the first big like integration in the U.S. at least. Uh, so they'll be on. I mean, they're going to have a couple matches uh, with along with Sumi Sakai and uh, Nicole Savoy today and tomorrow, along with the New Japan Lions Rake show. So that's pretty cool. Um, and it makes me, again, that brings me to speculation for next year. I, I think I can say this. I don't think anyone's told me, keep this off the record, John. So hopefully no one, get, <laughs> someone's going to get mad at me. But, uh, you know, I've heard that they're, that Bushi Road, since they bought the company officially, has been very aggressive with the work visas for Stardom wrestlers. Like they are, um, you know, they're, they're pursuing them for almost the entire roster, if not just the entire roster. So that makes me wonder, you know, for next year, is it just a case where they want to have everybody under a work visa? So if they, you know, they want to do one or two matches on a New Japan USA show, which has been kind of a rumor floating around that like, you know, 
they're not so interested in putting stardom matches on New Japan shows in Japan, but they are maybe interested in putting out on New Japan shows in America since you know there's obviously more of a tradition here of having women's matches on men's shows or otherwise men's shows or mixed shows, whatever you want to say it. Um, so that could be one thing. Or maybe they're even planning on doing a full show here again next year, which would be great. I, I don't know if they would, you know, again, this is, this is all my speculation. Maybe they'll piggyback off of like a big New Japan show, right? Like maybe whatever the big, the big show is for the year, because there will be... Um, like this, I really can't. I can't say this out loud, but like what what I know. But I can't. I guess I can't say because Rocky Romero did say in the interview. I mean, I, and I can confirm there will be like a big show next year. Like there will be a show in America that's clearly bigger than uh, the rest of the New Japan shows in 2020. So maybe they do something where they like they piggyback off that show and they do a stardom show in a smaller building the night before or like the afternoon of the show or something. I mean, I think that would be awesome. And I, I hope they do something like that. Or maybe it's just, like I said, they're going to do one or two women's matches, you know, on a bunch of the new Japan of America shows. So we'll have to wait and see. I think it'll be a big story for next year. And obviously people will be very interested here to see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I don't know if any thoughts on that. I'm excited for you guys to see that because I don't, I don't think Stardom are going to come back to the UK after uh, Rossi fell asleep during the white belt match at York Hall. <laughs> <laughs> he was asleep at ringside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it went quite as well as it, as it did, uh, as their show in the US did. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for you guys to get more of that. Yeah, the UK gets a lot of Joshi talent, it seems, and... Um, I'm very jealous, so I'm excited to um, get more in the U.S. Mm. But yeah, so we'll see what happens next year with that. Uh, any other thoughts you want to throw in on Stardom's year? We didn't really talk a ton about their in-ring, which, again, was really good, and there was a lot of good stuff. Um, I would say, you know, the big in-ring story, maybe from like a roster perspective, was, you know, the rise of Tokyo Cyber Squad, which I think, you know, has been a very, very fun unit. Uh, yeah, that's more of a that's more of a merch story than an in ring story though. They've <laughs> just been like t shirt printing machines. Um, it feels weird to kind of not mention that Mayu has the red belt now. Um, yeah, and ending the long national nightmare of B Priestley being the red belt champion. <laughs> um, Aaron Bentley's gonna be mad. <laughs> um, but but that's that's nice, you know. It, it sh- because Mayu I think was someone they picked out to play that role and then injuries got in the way and so it, you know it's it, it seems that she's you know they can rely on her to to carry that weight now i will say that i like the way they did it with mayu because they made you want it before mm. she finally like she when when she finally beat b uh in on november 4th it felt like you know it felt like it, it didn't feel like they waited too long but it felt like they waited long enough that you're like I really want to see this. I'm happy to see her with the fucking red belt again, finally. Absolutely. So, and the I match think, I think that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I think that was pretty well booked, I have to say. Mm. Uh, and I like the idea of Arisa with the white belt. I mean, I think she's gotten pretty over. So, you know, in a pretty short period of time. So, I don't know, Taylor, what do you think about the, the booking or anything else you want to say before we move on? Yeah, I thought it was a strong in-ring year. Um, but I think Stardom does have some... You know, I think in years past, maybe the, you know, the actual booking itself maybe hasn't been as strong. But I think every year 
um, is a pretty strong in-ring year. As we mentioned, they have a ton of talent, so I would be surprised if they didn't have a good in-ring year. Um, yeah, but I, I, I thought it was um, I thought it was a good year for them all around. All right. So let's move over now to Tokyo Joshi Pro, which is probably the second most likely promotion for listeners of this to be watching since they have the DDT connection and they're very easily accessible on DDT Universe. Uh, they have interesting gear. I think, you know, the first thing I'm going to say up front is I don't think it was anywhere near as good as their 2018, mm, where I thought yeah. they were. I mean, 2018, I thought Tokyo Joshi Pro was probably like my favorite promotion, like, period. Not just yeah. Joshi, just like my favorite promotion. This year, I wouldn't put them close to that level. Um, but they were still, I mean, that isn't to say they had a bad year, though. I mean, they still had a good year filled with lots of stuff I really enjoyed and a lot of um, shows I really liked. I mean, they're always the company for me that, like, has a lot of fun storyline stuff. Uh, it's really fun to follow them, you know, follow the wrestlers on Twitter because they're really entertaining. Um, you know, if you if you don't follow, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of who the fuck, uh, you know, pretty much the entire roster. I mean, you're you're kind of missing out, honestly. Like, uh, probably Yuki Kamifuku is the yes. best follow on Twitter. <laughs> she, her Twitter her Twitter is very entertaining, but uh, and you know, it obviously helps that she knows English very well. From you know, she lived in Ohio for a while, and you know, she she tweets a lot in English. But obviously, you know, Maki Ito is a great Twitter follow too. So there's a lot of great Twitter followers in that company. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they put on really good like overall shows without having a ton of like standout or great matches, you know, like they, their Corkins are always really good. They had a really fun show in Osaka this year, which probably stands out even more because it was the same day as a DT show that really wasn't that good uh, on September 1st. Um, you know, the February, the February show, the one that was called Be Updated to the Future, the Future, the Future. Yes. Was really that show great was awesome. Well. That had one of my favorite matches of the year, too. Saki-sama beating Miyu Watanabe yeah. in, like, the best squash match you'll see all year. Where, like, she basically just no-sold all her offense and just killed her. That was such a great match. It, it kind of set the tone for the year, too, with the two of them. Because, yeah. you know, they, it came full circle with Miyu... Uh, winning the tag titles from New Bushiki Goon. I did but not yeah, realize I mean, that, but that was the same show that had the beginning of the Misao Rika Tatsumi angle yeah. as well. Yeah. So, and that all came together. I mean, they are they yeah. are a very well booked promotion. Like, you really can't complain about the booking. Um, the the only thing maybe is like, you know, the we we said it before. The Miru Yamashita title reign ended, and you know that was, you know, Shoko Nakajima. I know some people really like her. I I think she's good, and she definitely had one really, really good title match uh, in, uh, in DDT at Ultimate Party with, uh, you know, with mm. Yuka Sakazaki. But her other title matches, I don't think were quite up to the level of the Miyu title reign. And the other problem was, again, you had the tag title reign that also was not to the level of the previous tag title reign, where Yuka and Mizuki, you know, had an amazing tag team title reign that came to an end, you know, at the almost at the exact same time as the Miyu reign, you know, I think like a month later. And, you know, that, that ended with uh, Niyu Bushikigun winning the belts in June. And Niyu Bushikigun, you know, again, they had some good matches, but not up to the level of the previous tag team champions. So Their character uh, stuff was incredible. But, yeah, the, yeah. the matches just didn't really back it up. And it, it's, it's frustrating with TJP because I could always, you know, it, it's not a work pro- 
it's not a work rate promotion like it's a character promotion um but you could rely on it and in that kind of amazing run it had through 2018 you could rely on at least the top two maybe three matches on a big card being really really good from an in-ring point of view um and then you know the undercard stuff was just kind of whatever um but there were a few shows yeah where the the big matches just kind of didn't deliver and i started to get a bit frustrated about the lack of i don't know like the the lack of like really qual quality training that goes on there if you look at actress girls who are their kind of rivals <laughs> this year <laughs> the the speed with which some of those girls is improving is is incredible and i kind of just don't really see it with the newer tokyo joshi rookies likable as they are um and i was yeah. the one because there's one that has really 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 i think a lot of natural talent which is uh my oh, yeah. i was gonna say mahiro kiryu i think she she has like a lot of natural talent but i don't know if, yeah i don't know if she's improving super fast but i think she can she probably will get there because she looks she basically looked like she knew exactly what she was doing the moment she debuted mm. so maybe it's just like when you start that when you already look that natural, you know, it's hard to really show, you know, fast improvement from that level. But yeah, you know, she hasn't really, I think that is a good point. And then like, uh, but some of the rookies, I, I do think show a lot of potential. Uh, the other one I was thinking of is, uh, what the fuck's her name? Mirai? Mirai, Mirai Mayumi. Mayumi. She's, yeah, she's she fantastic. Looked, yeah. She's, yeah. she's kind of the outlier in a way. I think she is already really polished and yeah. Yeah adds a lot to shows but uh the but the rest of them yeah i mean it's a lot of comedy wrestlers which is fine i mean that you're gonna expect that because it's still you know a ddt adjacent promotion but like you know i don't really think there's a ton a ton of flash there but but you know the up up girls i think showed a lot of improvement this year especially uh you know hikari noah who looks like she went from being a fun meme wrestler who could kind of go to being like an actual like really good wrestler so well she got it she got put into the uh semi-main at uh was it the may corican with in a tag team with natsumi maki which i'm just gonna say pandemic boo boo is the best <laughs> tag team name of the year um and she held you know she really held her own in that in that kind of context that was against yuka sakazaki and mizuki so yeah kind of that very was awesome high match. level yeah like high level tag wrestling and and she's and she has kicked on since then as well i mean i'm really looking forward to her title match with maki ito uh, in yeah. january um, i mean there so there is a lot to look for, and, and that is the other point i want to make too as much as their 2019 has been eh i think they're you know not i, I actually eh, it's too strong it's just not to level 2018 they're, they they have set themselves up really well for 2020, um, you know, beginning with, you know, the 1-4 show where you're going to have, uh, you know, Miyu and, and Yuka Sakazaki, which should be, you know, freaking awesome. So we'll see. I, I think they have, I think they're set up to have a really good year. Yeah, I I, I hope so. <laughs> I kind of want something to draw me back in again in the, in the way that the uh, Rika, Tatsumi, Miyu, Yamashita, stuff did last year like that was that i think i don't think i actually put it as my match of the year in in our show last year but on reflection i think it was because it's something mm. i go back to 
again and again and and it just had so, so much emotion it was really gripping storytelling and the match itself was really great and i just it's a very high bar to measure them against uh and i just don't think they've they've uh you know they've matched up this year but fingers crossed next year they yeah can. and i and i want to be clear like again their 2018 was a 10 out of 10 year their 2019 was like a 7.5 out of 10 year that's still very good yeah but they just like you're saying they set such a high bar for themselves that like it was very hard to live up to it but it's not like i i still really enjoy watching them and i'm gonna you know continue following them next year but you know clearly wasn't as good as 2018 i don't know taylor you have anything to add to all this yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've been on this show a few times and we've talked about DDT or Tokyo Joshi. So I think my thoughts are in agreement with both of you and fairly clear that, you know, I personally am someone, you know, maybe not a work rate guy is not what I would call myself, but that's certainly something I value. And I think that the scene as a whole has been really strong this year, which may have um, sort of emphasized that weakness point for Tokyo Joshi. Um, but as we said, you know, it's possible that people are joining next year, you know, it's possible they could get some, you know, new talent that is quite good in the ring. Some of their newer talent could definitely improve. So I think next year, um, I'm looking forward to it. I think, um, you know, I think they can only go up. I don't think, you know, it would ever get worse than, you know, this, I don't think people are going to get worse. You know, they have a lot of young rookies, as we said, sometimes I think that, um, and I think I said this at on some earlier show, but sometimes I do wish they would sort of spread out the debut of their rookies a little bit more. Um, it felt like a couple times this year that it was like, here's a rookie. And you'd be like, oh, I want to get into this person. And then the next show, it was a new, you know, here's yeah. another rookie. And, oh, the third show, here's another. And it's like, you know, if you're not giving them time to breathe, then all of a sudden it's sort of their, you know, off to the, not off to the side, but you just go, Oh, okay. Well, I guess we got to move on from this person. And then, you know, they're just sort of stuck doing, you know, these sort of low, low card matches. Um, yeah. I have noticed that I, I don't know that. I don't know that I would do. Yeah. I've noticed, sorry, that, that they, there was a lot of time between the, the, whoever debuted last and Suzume, who was their new, their rookie that debuted at the August Corican Hall show. And her matches feel like more essential than some of the other rookies because I think they gave her that space and that platform um, when she debuted and they've given her quite a few singles matches. So, yeah, I think that is definitely something they they ought to think about um, when they're trying to, you know, create new stars. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, we'll see what they have any more debuts next year, but... Um, the last thing again to mention f- for listening to the show, especially, is obviously Tokyo Joshi Pro will be making their WrestleMania weekend debut next year, as announced as part of WrestleCon. So, first of all, uh, it's interesting that DET slash Tokyo Joshi moves from WWN to WrestleCon. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot going on there <laughs> since, as we know, WWE had interest in DDT as well, just like, uh, you know, they apparently had interest in everybody, but. Uh, Thankfully, Cyber Agent, I guess, told him to go kick rocks. So I'm sure that's part of the reason why, you know, they had to, and also the partnership with AEW, I'm sure is part of the reason why, you know, they had to team up with WrestleCon instead of WWN and the, the sellout crew over there, as you might want to call it. Um, 
but yeah, the uh, the Tokyo Joshi show, you know, we'll go, we basically go from a reversal of last year where there was a Tokyo Joshi offer match on the DT show, which was uh, Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito. And next year it'll be Tokyo Joshi with a DDT offer match, apparently. So that's interesting. Nice. Um, I mean, people people are, I think, excited for this. I mean, look, I will be completely honest. It's the only reason why uh, I even remotely think about going to Mania Weekend is because of Tokyo Joshi Pro. I probably will not go at this point because I just have so many other plans for next year. And, like, you know, it just doesn't doesn't feel worth the amount of money to go for one show uh, compared to, you know, other stuff I'll be doing. Um, but, like... You know, I don't know. It's the only thing that looks remotely. You know, I mean, I, I'm not really a freedoms person. And God know the God knows the American wrestling does not look very good. Or the, <laughs> or the red sellouts on WWN. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like that is interesting. Though. If you're going to Mania Weekend, uh, make sure you go because I'm sure they're going to put on a fantastic show. Uh, it's 11 a.m. I think on either Friday or Saturday. I don't know if anybody knows. I think it's Friday. Day. Okay. So make sure you get up early and get over there to WrestleCon for that. That's John quite Madden. an authentic start time for a Tokyo Joshi Pro show. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. John, you're not excited to see Accelerate <laughs> no, Style Battle version Are you gonna two. Go? Are you going to go or no? No, I'm leaning. I'm not definite yet. I mean, the flights are weirdly expensive. Well, they're um, dropping. I don't know if you saw. Oh, are a, they dropping? Yeah, I have a Google Flights alert. That's the only thing that's giving me a little bit of pause. Is I keep getting these alerts that they're going down. Like I think right now you could get a well, it's fucking Spirit, which would suck. But one hundred and seventy dollars Spirit and two hundred eight with United. So they they have come down. But like yeah, that's New York. but I'm sort so of in the same are, boat as you. I would see Tokyo Joshi. I would go to Freedoms. That would be good to me. But I sort of I mean I would go. Out. I yeah, go, I, but, I drew it out based on what was announced, sort of ranking them as I definitely, you know, I would go to see this, you know, I would see it if I was there versus, you know, I don't really want to see this. And I think something like, you know, like 70% of the things were either like, I don't really want to see this at all, or they were like, I guess I would see this if I were in the building, um, which isn't a great percentage for spending, you know, uh, you know, probably $500 for a flight and, you know, lodging and a car and stuff like that. So I'm on the fence, but I'm leaning towards no. I mean, there there is a lot of stuff on that weekend schedule where I'm like, you know, if this was happening outside my apartment, I would close the blinds. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like a lot. Of, and then there is a bunch of stuff like, well, I guess I would go if, you know, if it was in New York again, I would probably go to this, but I don't really think it's worth traveling for. And you know, I don't know. I mean, if I'd never seen Tokyo Joshi, I would probably take the opportunity, but I, you know, I just saw them in June. I mean, it's not like, Lucky you know, you. yeah. So it is what it is, I guess. But, and I might see them again next fall. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so that's Tokyo Joshi talk. Anything you guys want to add before I move on? Yeah. Um, I, I, something just jogged my memory then. Um, did you see the clip of Maki Ito fighting Chitan? in spain I did not. no i did not see so <laughs> i have a friend who uh does kind of helps out with booking for uh this company rcw um that run out of barcelona 
and uh, he helped to get over Miu and Maki for a kind of anime expo thing. Um, and Chitan was also there. <laughs> and he managed to get Chitan in the ring with Maki Ito uh, briefly, um, which probably should have been bigger than it was. You know, uh, I feel like that's been a dream match of mine for quite a while. Um, but yeah, if you if you look it up, there is footage of Maki Ito and Chitan fighting in a wrestling ring. Yeah, I do feel like sometimes they go overseas and, um, you know, it's sort of exciting for the people who are there. But other than that, it sort of gets swallowed up in the um, sort of in the inundate, the constant inundation of <laughs> we have so much wrestling to watch. Yeah. Um, and nobody is keeping tabs on anime expos in in Barcelona, I guess. <laughs> Probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Tokyo Joshi, that's that. Let's move on to Sendai Girls, who, again, probably the mo- the next most prominent promotion to most people in the West. Uh, they're an interesting one because they always have like super high end matches, mm-hmm. um, you know, every year. And they, you know, they have several on my on my top ten match of the year list. But I'm never, I never feel like I'm super into anything they're doing. Like it never feels like, well, you know. They have they they never seem to have a ton of shows that I'm really into. Like overall, they never seem to have like month to month storylines that I'm super into. I mean, the, the wrestling, you know, again, could be really really good, maybe the best in all of Joshi. But like, and then there always seems like there's something missing for them with me. I don't know. Am I am I crazy, no, Luke? Am I crazy? I totally no, agree. I totally agree. Like that, they they always seem at their most electric when they're reaching out and working with other promotions. So Sendai, the idea of Sendai Girls is electric when Kagetsu and Hazuki are invading for a storyline at the end of last year, or the idea of Sendai Girls seems electric when. Mako, uh, Chihiro, and Dash are appearing in DDT, you know, and and beating all out. Um, well, they were they were awesome in DDT. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, and and that that's something that has been the case for a couple of years. I, I think like there's there's something about the Sendai Girls brand that just for all the quality on show, it just seems I don't know. It just seems a bit. Yeah, it's just. Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know? I just thought of this comparison. They're like the modern Joshi equivalent, almost of like Kensuke Office back in the day, where like you know Sasaki and Nakajima were awesome, and these you know they'd show up in other promotions, and you'd be like, oh, the fucking Kensuke Office is invading or Diamond Ring, but then you watch their actual shows, and you'd be like, this is fine, and there there will occasionally be like a really awesome match. But like, there's nothing that's like really grabbing you and making you want to watch it. So I don't know. Well, that's- I'm. I mean, I think the booking is, and I think we said the same. I think we said the same thing last year. I mean, the matches are great, but I think the booking is consistently shooting themselves in the foot. Like, I don't really know. Like, it would be fascinating to sit down and be like, "Why did you make the following decisions <laughs> this year with you know X, Y, and Z?" Or big Japan like that in that in that regard. Yeah, like, like okay. Yeah. So, you know, especially with the titles, you know, you look at the title, you know, lineage on, you know, wherever on cage match or wherever you want to go. And it's almost comical because it's, you know, Chihiro, someone else. Chihiro Let's someone just, else. hold on. I have I have it pulled up. I'm just gonna give it to you. Ready? It's like Chihiro Mega. Aja. 
Yeah, Chihiro Aja. Aja held for 87 days. Chihiro wins it back, 65 days. Uh, Hiro Matsumoto, 35 days. Chihiro wins it back, 278 days. Now, the next one isn't really their fault. Ayaka wins it from her. Yes. Has to vacate after 24 days, but she probably was going to lose it back to Chihiro. And Chihiro wins it back, 349 days, fourth reign, loses it to Sari. Sari has it for 127 days, and Chihiro wins it back again and has now has it for 55 days. So... I, I, I get it. I mean, she's kind but, of the ace. But Chihiro, like, she had the tag titles. Yeah. She had the tag titles, and they lost it after zero defenses. Yeah. They held it for like 200 days, zero defenses, and lost it on their first defense. Yeah. They, they, I, I am a little bit more positive about Sendai Girls booking this year than, than I was last year, although hearing that about Beauty Bear is just destroyed me i didn't know that they didn't get any successful defenses <laughs> of those nope. tag titles um but can, uh, can i just say by the way really really quickly while we what because you brought up beauty bear what why do they refuse to push mika iwata more well like, i mean like, she's why is she, currently but. <laughs> uh, but but like why is she not been chihiro's like big rival like, it seems it just seems really weird to me like maybe that maybe that's the idea maybe when she comes back yeah you know maybe that's where beauty bear was going but like it, you have this other like you have two. You basically you're, you're lucky enough to have two super talented wrestlers who are both, uh, you know, came up through your system. They're loyal to you. It feels like you're you're just not pushing the other one. Like it doesn't feel like she's in enough of a prominent position for how good she is. But, but ask, maybe ask, really... ask Chisako about that as well. I mean, she's oh, never held the Sendai Girls title. It, it it is it is really frustrating that with such a small roster that yeah the 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 goods aren't kind of shared out a bit more evenly. Um I mean and the tag titles when are it, yeah, sorry, go on. When is when is Mika supposed to come back by the way, do we know? It's it's uh not been yeah, it's it, it seems like she's out indefinitely, which is really sad. Um because she is one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh so I hope yeah. she I hope she can return at some point. The 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 booking this year was uh they had the big show in Sen- a big show in Sendai, um, I think it was, uh, uh, in October. And that was kind of the show where the belts had all been taken out of the company. So um, Sari had the world title, um, Millie McKenzie and Charlie Evans had the tag titles, and Mikoto Shindo from Marvelous had the junior title. And then they all changed hands on that one show. So Jihiro beat Sari, um, Dash and Hiroyo beat uh, Millie and Charlie and Manami, their kind of 15-year-old rookie, beat Shindo. Um, so that was that was what they did this year, <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah. That, that was kind of their their story that they told. But you know, it, it it people. I think people, at least the people I know, the people in the West, will like you say, John, tune into Sendai Girls for great matches. But nobody really cares about the stories that are being told. Yeah. Taylor, do you have any disagreement with that? Or do you think that's kind of what it is? No, I mean, I agree. Um, And then, of course, the thing we haven't, you know, really mentioned is the possibility of Sendai Girls um, being something different next year (laughs) based on the rumors or, you know, what's going on. Is it Sendai Girls and, you know, doing something else or is it under a different name 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, were they, well, is it going to be Sendai Big Japan? Basically, it's NXT Japan, which is right. a big room because of Chihiro, because of uh, you know the connections with Mako and uh, Daisuke Sakimoto. Which look, I mean, that's that's far less scary to the scene than like you know Noah Stardom would have been. I think I think that's fair to say, but it's still going to mean you know a very different company if it happens. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But they, I mean, I feel like there's just been way less buzz slash talk about that lately so i don't know maybe you could maybe we could all have the hopeful uh we could all be hopeful that maybe they're, they're just having even more trouble with it than we thought but uh but yeah i mean we, i guess we'll wait after wait and see they did uh they did run a uk show this year as well send that girls which which was sort of nxt uk adjacent in parts i guess um yeah. um it was really successful like they got they got a bigger crowd than, you know, a lot of kind of established Brit rest shows that I've been to. Uh, they ran a bigger venue. Um, so it wasn't like a remarkable show, uh, but, but it was, it was interesting. I, but I genuinely don't know where they're going um, in, in the future. Like I have, I have no idea what Mako's motivations are other than farming. So yeah, who knows? And then obviously, you know, like we, we, we kind of, you know, uh, didn't mention that much, but the, the Suri stuff was awesome. And I think that's what carried their year more than anything. You know, it, it was great. Suri Chihiro, Suri Mako, it's going to show up in our list later. But yeah, so some really awesome wrestling. Uh, but, you know, like like usual with the company, it's not always the the greatest company to follow month to month or week to week. So Dip in and out. That's the only way to go with them, I think. Yeah, so that brings us to Seedling, which is a company I know Taylor, you're you've been a huge fan of for a while, and I think really, I think really took a step this year. I think in a very, uh, you know, in a very like noticeable way that if they felt more, um, you know, they felt more like co- narratively coherent, you know, more than any anything, and like you know the the new units and stuff were really interesting, and I think added an element that. They probably needed, uh, you know, it's still a four-person promotion or whatever, a two-person, what the fuck it is. So that is what it is. But, like, they, they, the shows were a lot more, you know, interesting to watch month to month. What do you think, Taylor? What, what do you think of their 2019? I actually was looking back, and they had a very similar, I guess starting with the in-ring stuff, they had a very similar year to last year where the first couple shows um, of the year, or at least the first couple shows that made tape, um, sort of feel like warming up getting into the year and then they hit a point where they sort of take off and a lot of things are happening you know in 2018 it was establishing the titles and the title tournament uh which happened later in the year this year it was uh you know starting these units or or factions or whatever you want to call them and then of course the big um nakajima takahashi match which i'm sure we'll all be talking about or maybe we'll all be talking about uh, later on in the show. I think of all the, you know, obviously I'm sort of separating stardom here as sort of the biggest, but of all the sort of um, non-major promotions, Joshi promotions, I think that I'm most interested to see what happens um, with Seedling next year. It seems like every year they sort of add on more elements of a, 
um, quote unquote actual being an actual promotion, you know, the fact that they only have three um, rest, you know, three wrestlers on the roster officially. Um, so I'm wondering with all this stuff happening with stardom and Tokyo <laughs> Joshi. And- I had to laugh because I said four and I said two and it was way you were close. You were as close <laughs> as you could be with, with still being wrong. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next year. You know, do they, you know, look at someone like Stardom or Tokyo Joshi or AEW, you know, getting these people, and do they try and sign more people for their roster? I don't know. They could. Um, you know, I could see them going a lot of different ways and, you know, you know, hopefully being – back here again for a Joshi urine review at the end of next year, I could see a lot of different ways that um, this company could go and grow, you know, potentially grow. They've shown a lot of signs of being able to, you know, I thought the Nakajima Takahashi match was a great example of the company telling a really long-term story, which I thought was great. Um, And it's not something you often see in these smaller promotions. Um, so I thought they had a great year. Of course, they have, you know, two or three of my favorite wrestlers in the world, which makes it uh, a lot easier to enjoy the in-ring stuff, which I thought was really great. Um, they had some really high-end stuff, as they usually do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a great year for them, and I think that they're set up to, you know, have a really interesting next year as well. Uh, what do you have to add here, Luke? Well, I, I, uh, I mean, one thing, just quick. They, they have a rookie now. Um, I cannot remember her name, but oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, just... so I was right. Four people. Yeah, you, you were. <laughs> uh, I only just realized that. Um, uh, but yeah, they. Uh, she just passed her protest like in the past week or two. Uh, I can't remember her name. So, so that they are. I mean, that's a first for them. Um, to kind of bring up a a, a rookie like that. Um. I, in my notes, I described them as the strongest of the pick and mix companies. Like they, Mm. they, you look at a seedling card and they, they, you know, they put the little logos on the match cards to show where everybody is from. And um, they have got this knack of just putting people together in really interesting combinations from across the kind of span of, uh, you know, non-stardom, Joshi um I I went to uh I went to Japan in March and I was really happy that in the dates that we'd booked there was a seedling Corican Hall show um because I knew even before they'd announced anything that it was going to be my best chance of seeing people from Marvelous Gata Move Ice Ribbon you know etc etc all in the same place um so that seems to be if we're talking about what you know what is their role in the joshi landscape going forward it's that for me like they're they're filling a kind of space that maybe wave once filled um Mm. in terms of being this crossroads uh you know where where people come from all sorts of different parts of, of of joshi but then you know anchoring that with really strong programs with their core roster um I, I do think they uh, like the Kawasaki show that was headlined by the um, Nanai um, Arisa match. I, I did think on paper was one of the best cards of the year. Um, there's maybe a little 
bit poorly treated by Samurai's editing team because they had oh, to yeah. cram a kind of three three plus hour show into two. But um, there was just so much star power across that card, and yeah, I they're they're always at the top of my pile um, when I have a lot of stuff to watch their shows. The I mean, you've mentioned getting to go to their show. They're they're right there. Like if I'm making my list of like the companies left that I haven't seen in Japan that I'm gonna like circle and make it and hope to God they're running a show when I go next time that I can go to it's them in all Japan. Mm. I mean, like those are the last two companies that I haven't seen live yet that I'm just like dying to see. So I hope hopefully it works out next time, uh, when I go in the fall. But I'm yeah, actually I mean, like, wearing I... the seedling shirt that I bought from Nano's <laughs> mum uh, on on Nano's mum's birthday today. Just just like to add, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the problem is they run so few shows. It's just very like when you go for a week or something or two weeks, you just you never know if you're going to make it to one or not. Um, the the other thing I want to mention too, because we talked about the freelancers and everything, I think their their group of freelancers right now really fit them really well, and like uh, two that have come in that I really have enjoyed there. First of all, you, who, mm. uh, you know, I think she fits really well with like the big hosses in this company, you know, like uh, obviously Hiria works here a lot and, uh, you know, Nanai's here and Yoshiko. So I think she fits in really well with like the big, you know, big hoss ladies. And it's great seeing Suri back, uh, not Suri, Suri. Suri. <laughs> yeah. It's great seeing Suri back. And, you know, she's been really good on these seedling shows. Uh, since returning from the UFC, uh, you know, imposed, uh, what's it called? You know, basically, they she wasn't allowed to work Joshi. So it's great to see her back. Um, you know, I think Makoto, who, again, is like a bigger, you know, as far as like taller, at least, Joshi lady, you know, fits in well here. And, you know, she's gotten so good lately. And uh, Mima Shimoda as well. Talking Mima Shimoda. Big, big horses, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so they, they got the mar- they got that market pretty well cornered. Yeah, the, the, it's interesting. You and Suri were both in uh, inducted, I think, into Nanai's unit, uh, Max yeah. Voltage, which has been a really good platform for um, launching. Well, Seedling in general this year has been a really good platform for Miyuki uh, Miyuki Takase from Actress Girls, who yeah. I will be talking about later. <laughs> But yeah, so anything else you want to add on Seedling before we move on? Nope. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. All right. So let's move over to Gato Move, who mm. I think have made made some waves for the fact that Riho and, uh, you know, Rio jumped, which is a probably a big story there. Uh, Emi Sakura is still there, but also obviously making a lot of waves in AEW and stuff, which I think is probably going to increase their... Uh, you know, increase their general, what's the word, like, profile. Um, you know, and you look at, like, uh, you know, it turned out that a prominent Twitter account was a wrestler there, which yeah. kind of came out of nowhere from the, yeah, uh, which I think also maybe increased their profile among Western brands a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I will be honest, I didn't see a ton of their shows, but we did, Taylor and I did attend a show on uh, June 4th while we were in Japan, which was a a great, a really, really fun show with a great main event with Riho beating uh, Mei Suruga to retain the Super Asia title. That was a great match on a pretty on a fun show, featuring a you know mix of comedy and serious wrestling. Uh, but yeah, I mean there was plenty of stuff on that show that I really enjoyed. 
But they're a very obviously a very interesting promotion and one that's accessible because they they put a lot of stuff on YouTube. So yeah, they, yeah, they I mean, spoiler alert, uh, Gato Move, uh, my promotion of the year, <laughs> um, and I think they've made the biggest strides of any promotion this year easily if you take it kind of in relative terms, um, and they've done that simply by by putting their matches on YouTube. Uh, there's one match a day. Um, and it's usually really up to date. There's like a one, two day turnaround sometimes. Um, and the matches are short, so they're very easy to just kind of, you know, watch over your breakfast or over your lunch or whatever. They're very easy to recommend to people. Um, and I think they've just, from, you know, from being a company that I I kind of knew were putting on very, very good matches, but only because people had shared DVDs with me. Um, they're now, it's all just there. It's like super accessible and everyone can see, you know, the quality of, of what's being put out. Um, I think they also like compensated amazingly well for the loss of Riho by almost immediately debuting this like army of new rookies. They had uh, we were criticizing Tokyo Joshi for doing this earlier, but they it worked well for Gato Move that they um, they had a Shinkiba show where they debuted six rookies in one go. Um, and we'd actually seen some trial matches from these rookies on, on YouTube in the run-up to that show. So, um, Do you have the date on that just for people listening? Uh, that is a very good question. I will get it. Um, it was like... that. So... so um, this was the first uh, show of their new, uh, like they're starting Gato August Move 20, One. I think I think audio tw- August twenty eighth then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's called it's called Gato Move One, Gato yeah. Move Gato One Hundred Percent Fruit Juice. Wow, I didn't yeah, know so that. August twenty eighth, Shinkiba. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's the start of their new like numbering system for shows. They are closing the. Um, the Thailand branch of the promotion, which was uh, where Gato Move started. Um, so they're focusing on Japan now um, and also kind of getting a bit of international exposure with May Suruga in the UK uh, last month. And Lulu Pencil had a match in the UK last month as well. Um, so yeah, the, the, just the leaps and bounds they've made in terms of getting a profile for themselves um and this uh whole kind of team of new rookies they've got i think sets them up to have an even better year next year um but the in-ring stuff this year has been i mean you don't have to take my word for it it's it's right there on their youtube channel just pull up any match particularly a match that has mesa in and you can see it's it's top draw stuff yeah um any so so basically, how about you explain this, by the way? Explain the Lulu Pencil mm. thing for the listeners and everybody. <laughs> I, I'm sure people, people have probably seen that name over and over and over again. So what is it, what's the deal with Lulu Pencil? Why has she become such a meme on Joshi? Well, Twitter? one of somebody somebody uh, in, in my circles in Twitter described it as, as the most obvious piece of hipster baiting they'd ever seen in pro wrestling. Um, Lulu Pencil is a shoot freelance writer um who began training with uh the Dare Demo Joshi dojo which is the kind of um very open accessible kind of casual pro wrestling dojo that Gato Move run 
um where women can and girls can just go along and do a bit of pro wrestling training and there's kind of no pressure on them to turn it into a career but um you know as i've said like six uh trainees from darajo did end up um becoming members of the gatamove roster lily pencil being one of them um her her gimmick is that she's extremely frail and bad at wrestling uh and she's got it like down to a fine art like her matches are, are obviously they're comedy um but they're they're amazing like if you if you enjoy antonio honda um then she had a, an incredible match with antonio honda that is on their youtube channel you'll be able to find it if you just scroll back a bit um and she's you know she can go kind of blow for blow with one of the masters of comedy wrestling already and she's less than six months into her career so it is genuine appreciation it's not she's not just a meme she, <laughs> she is also good <laughs> and like she has that. a name she has the name lulu pencil which i'm sure exactly it is definitely a fantastic helped. name but she, yeah she had I, sorry i just she had um so she came over to london for pro wrestling well it wasn't originally meant to be for pro wrestling eve in uh, november she was just supposed to be doing sightseeing and kind of accompanying may saruga um <laughs> but she emmy sakura basically told her to make merch to take and sell there because um she could obviously see how much of a kind of cult twitter following lulu pencil was getting already um so on this show that lulu pencil hadn't wrestled on um after the final bell she ran upstairs and brought down a massive pile of t-shirts which she designed in the space of two days or even less and sold them all uh, <laughs> like sold way more than any other wrestler that had actually been on the show and then ran up to get more <laughs> and sold more um so yeah pencilmania is is real and it's here and then what Eve booked her on an actual show because of that? Yeah, and then she yeah. and then she uh, was on the fourth show of the weekend tournament yeah. against Maitruka. Yeah. Uh so I want to mention too, because I, I want to reiterate that recommendation. Lulu Pencil versus Antonio Honda, YouTube. Definitely check that one out if you haven't seen it. Um but yeah, I mean look the, anything else to add about uh Gato Moves year? It looks seems like they had a great year then. They I mean I've I've done I'll I'll plug my stuff at the end, but I've I've done a couple of podcasts on Gato Move, and I am very much uh, out there as saying that I think they offer a kind of like a visionary alternative to how most pro wrestling is done. Um, <laughs> I think that they're doing stuff, particularly because of the space that they use, that tiny former dentist waiting room. They're they're doing stuff uh, with wrestling that that really nobody else is doing so you know just just if if you're listening to this and you haven't watched them already just check them out it'll can you i can ask watch you by the way less than 10 minutes yes have has the december 1st basement monstar show made tape yet because i really want to see the nai and mace that sounds awesome uh uh not that i've seen no but hopefully okay. it will yeah, yeah. <laughs> because i mean they they want 15 minutes wow seriously so I, I want to see that match yeah. Uh, any, anything to add, Taylor, about Gato Moves here? Yeah, I was going to say 2018 felt like um, so, 
sort of like Marvelous was the, and I guess I'll call them like the meme promotion, which might sound like a dig, but is actually a compliment where in 2018, it felt like I was logging onto Twitter every day and people were talking about something else that had happened in Marvelous. Um, and that felt like got to move this year. Uh, I think part of that is due to the fact that they're so accessible and they're putting these matches up every day, but it felt like every time I logged into Twitter, you, you know, there was sort of new talk about what Gato Move had done, which was really great. I think that they um, should definitely be commended um, for their accessibility with the YouTube um, channel and with the English commentary. I think that that's something that a lot of other not only Joshi promotions, but promotions in general could um, take a lesson um, about, you know, and they, you know, I think they have their finger. I, I think this is sort of what's already been said, but I think they have their finger on the pulse of what sort of people want and they're, and they're giving people what they want. Um, John, as you said, we went to that show in June, which was really great. Um, and, you know, I've watched a lot of their YouTube um, stuff, which I've also really loved. So I think that they're, you know, a lot of fun, but I think the best thing about them is they sort of, they have a little bit better of an understanding of what sort of their audience wants and they're able to give it to them. You know, they're obviously delivering it to them because of all, you know, the talk about Gato move this year. So there you go. And have to say, if you're a English language podcast that doesn't normally cover them and, Decides to dunk on them for no reason. Fuck you. And that's little... the that on that. Uh, marvelous. That's women's pro wrestling. Let's talk about them next. It's a good little transition that uh, Taylor just mentioned them. So I haven't seen any marvelous this year. I'm just going to throw that out there and you know say that right away. The next three person we're talking about, I haven't really seen anything of. So take it away, I guess. Taylor, why don't you start here with marvelous? What what was their big story? Well. Well, it's interesting thinking back about the year that seemingly their biggest story is their rookies, but I feel like some of the best sort of stuff of their rookies happened outside the actual promotion itself. Um, obviously, you know, I think personally they have, um, you know, with the three rookies, with Maria, with Mei Hoshiki, and uh, Makoto Shindo, and now the, the newest one, Hibiki, um, to me they have the best – you know, sort of being able to turn all these rookies out in a short amount of time. You know, we've talked about it with a couple other promotions, but I think they're probably, to me, head and shoulders in terms of rookie of the year, in terms of in-ring talent. Um, I think all three of them are great, and Habiki just started. Um, but in terms of the promotion, as I mentioned, sort of in 2018, they were sort of the big, you know, talk of – the Joshi world with what's going on. I think a lot of that had to do with Mio uh, Momono who spent about 95, probably 95% of the year out. She was out for most of the year. She came back and almost immediately got injured again, unfortunately. Um, so I think it was a little bit um, of a less talked about year for them, um, but they did have the rookies, which I think was really their their sort of shining achievement of 2019. And depending on what those three rookies do could be the thing that we look back and say, oh, that was the moment when, you know, these three great, you know, wrestlers debuted and wanted to do great things, which I hope that they do. Um, but, you know, I, I think we mentioned last year that Marvelous is sort of a fun 
sort of you feel like you're going to hang out with friends um and i think it continued that this year i don't have too many sort of standout marvelous matches but i thought that they you know had a good year but the best things that sort of happened to them this year happened outside the promotion it's it's interesting you say <clears throat> that though because i think i i kind of agree with you but I, but i also think that in the more high profile matches that the rookies had in Mar- inside marvelous the atmosphere for those matches was kind of unparalleled across Joshi, um, you know, in sort of Shinkiba size shows that I'm talking about, like the um, Mei Hoshizuki versus Chikayo Nagashima match, which uh, I will talk about later because it's on my top 10 matches of the year list, or the uh, match, singles match that Mikoto Shindo had with, um, with uh, Takumi Aroha. I can't remember what month that was. Um, or the the matches that Maria or the encounters in general that Maria had with Nanai Takahashi, <clears throat> excuse me, like the crowd are so behind them. Um, and, and it's a really good crowd, the marvelous crowd. Um, and, and so those, those were the highlights of their in-ring year. I think those, those kind of um, chant, those plat- when they gave the rookies platforms, to really shine in front of a kind of partisan loyal home crowd. It, it did make for magic, um, which did actually end up, I didn't watch them as much as I did last year because I mean, Mio is one of my favorite wrestlers and kind of, I did feel her absence, but whenever I did tune in, there was always something like that to kind of remind me of what a great promotion marvelous can be. All right. So, Let's move over to Ice Ribbon, another promotion. I and this is one I, I I always mean to watch them, and I just somehow it never happens. I, I did watch them towards the end of last year and was into the idea of Hikaru Shida returning and feuding with people, which, as I understand, did not really happen. But I guess she got <laughs> it happened got for a few months. It was I think and, there were two matches. It was yeah, or three so, matches. Sorry, yeah. It was it was kind of a <laughs> let's say kind of a letdown, I guess. Is that mm. is that fair? Ice ribbon? No, I to- totally the opposite. <laughs> it's, no, 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 uh, I meant the, the, no, the, I meant specifically the Karushina thing. Yeah, it, it but uh, she had a match with Risa Sarah at the Yokohama show in October or August, sorry. Um, and then she had one match with Akane Fujita, which was very good, and another match with Risa Sarah uh, at Ribbon Mania, um, and that was it. Yeah. Okay. But then, as far as the year overall goes, and I, I you, you do seem you're ready yeah. to like uh, <laughs> jump at me when I thought said that it was a disappointment, which I wasn't trying to say at all. But anyway, so what? What? Go ahead and tell me about how great Ice Ribbon was this year. So, kind of a few things. Um, really good rookies. Um, Suzu Suzuki debuted on New Year's Eve uh, last year, um, and is yeah one of the best rookies in joshi i think just kind of endlessly entertaining for anybody who's not seen her um she was supposed to debut uh, a few months earlier than she did uh, but she got into a, a bike accident and i think broke her collarbone or something um and so had to take time out to recover from that and then when she eventually did debut she debuted with a, a bike gimmick <laughs> so she came out uh to her debut match at Corican Hall on a bike 
um, she has a little taunt where she goes chidin 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 which is the sound a bike bell makes um i mean how can you not love that um but she yeah she's a she's a brilliant worker like a real prospect for the future she had a great rivalry with asahi um who is another of their rookies who had debuted a bit uh maybe about a year earlier than suzu um they've built up people like ibuki hoshi and um and julia uh before that all kind of <laughs> fell to pieces um so they had that. They also had people really stepping up. Tequila Sire, who'd kind of been a bit of a bit part player, um, became really important to them and won the tag title and now has the triangle ribbon title. Um, Maya Yuki really kind of claimed her, you know, crown as as ace. Um, and they brought in some really interesting outsiders. Like they, they used to be very reliant, I think, on freelancers more than they are now. But the freelancers they brought in this year were like really, really good picks. So Rina Yamashita has worked more ice ribbon this year than anywhere else. Uh, they brought in Ram Kaicho from Triple Six, which was a kind of real uh, lateral move uh, that's worked really well for them, I think. Um, and they also uh, have just um, kind of struck up a regular participation deal with Miku Aono from Actress Girls, who's uh, really, really good. Um, she's one of their kind of top prospects. So really good recruitment. Re- just, just They just have such a good roster and they used it so well. They built to their big cards like few other companies did. The angle where Tsukasa Fujimoto had to fight the wife of a giant panda that she was supposedly having an affair with um, was handled with like way more respect and seriousness than you would expect for a goofy angle like that. Um, That match happened in March. Uh, They ran Yokohama Bunker Arena um, in October and held a tournament to lead up to that that kind of set the main event um, which really built anticipation for that show um, and they also this year one one last thing before I let somebody else speak uh, they brought in a kind of uh, sideshow thing called Peas Party um, which is it's on their Nico Nico channel and it's kind of like um show the shows are like 30 minutes to an hour and usually have three matches on and are just really really good digestible shows um so i just think they they struck all the right balances this year um did anybody else watch any of them (laughs) i did i watched less than i watched less than i wanted to but i did watch um i sort of went in and out um, I was going to mention the the Fujimoto Tintin mm. feud at the beginning of the year, which seemed to envelope sort of all of wrestling um, for a while there, just because I think it was so wild. But it was, as you mentioned, sort of treated with you know a degree of seriousness that um, was admirable. I guess <laughs> I guess I would say. Um, but yeah, I thought that they had a strong year. It was one of those things where I'd you know. I sort of watched less than I wanted to, not out of any, you know, 
dislike of it, but just because of a, you know, at some point it's a tie, you know, mm. you've got certain time and then time runs out and you go, oh, I'll get to that. And then, you know, it doesn't happen. And, you know, they, they do run a, you know, a high number of shows, a lot of shows. Um, oh my God, especially compared to some, you know, thinking of someone like seedling, um, which, you know, you sort of have one or maybe two shows a month. Um, so I think sometimes, um, it can feel daunting because you say, Oh, I'll watch that. And then you go back to it. And then, you know, now all of a sudden there's three shows to watch. Um, which I think is, they run them- is not meant to be a critique, but, um, what? I think they ran the most shows of anyone in Joshi this year, because when I opened, you know, I, I basically used the cage match results page for every promotion and they were the only one whose 2019 did not fit on one page. Wow. And not, yeah. not even stardom. I'd had to go to a second page to get to the start a, of the year. So a lot of that is uh, that they run shows in their dojo. So the peace party shows, which are produced by tequila sire um, use the dojo as a space, but they also have kind of ice ribbon events in the dojo. Um, so a lot of them are just kind of like very small sort of two or three match cards, but they're actually some of the best things to watch. <laughs> uh, if if i mean it's kind of uh not that accessible especially now that um nico nico has you know international subscriptions so more won't be uploading all the shows that ice ribbon put on their nico channel um but you know if you can get hold of peace party shows um it's a really kind of easy way into ice ribbon and you'll get to know a lot of the kind of up and coming talent there all right. So anything else to add about Ice Ribbon? I'll I'll talk a bit more about them in my uh, awards, I think. <laughs> so the last promotion we're going to talk about, really, is Actress Girl Z. It's another promotion I did not watch, really. So take it away, I guess. Uh, Luke, what do you think of Actress Girl Z's 2019? Well, I... I can't help but comparing them to Tokyo Joshi Pro, because, uh, partly because... Um, they have those two companies have beef with each other and uh <laughs> i think has it happened twice now that um they've run corican shows at roughly the same time and actress yes. girls have announced that the attendance is like tokyo joshi pros plus one um <laughs> <laughs> uh obviously losing natsumi maki to tokyo joshi at the beginning of the year kind of uh like increase that um but so i can't help but thinking of them in the same breath and it, it, i've mentioned it already but it is really remarkable the progress that some of the rookies are making in actress girls um compared to tokyo joshi compared to a lot of other promotions to be honest um at their first corican hall show last year they debuted like a whole load of new talent um who were all kind of really coming coming good now so i've mentioned miku aono who's going to be doing a lot of work in ice ribbon there's also riko kawabata ayumi hayashi um who are all becoming kind of like quite sought after um in you know the the seedlings and marvelouses of this world uh the next step up you have this kind of generation with miyuki takase and kakaru sekaguchi Himeka Arita, Tai Homma, who are everywhere this year, like everywhere. Oz Academy, Ice Ribbon, 
YMZ, you name it. Um, and they're just doing such a good job of getting these girls out to other promotions. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like every time a Miyuki Takase goes to Seedling or a Kakaru Sekiguchi goes to Oz Academy, they become really important to the fabric of that promotion. Um, I just think Yumiko Hata is a seriously underrated trainer and she's doing amazing work um, in this promotion. And they're on Nico Nico now, so we can we can finally watch them without kind of sneaking around in the DMs looking for rips of DVDs. So I hope that um, they get a bit more profile next year. Anything you want to add about this, Taylor? No, I think everything I would have said was covered. You know, I was happy to see them debut on um, Nico Nico because, you know, they were sort of one of a handful of promotions, some that are still doing it, but sort of people talked about them and then you said, oh, I'd love to watch their shows. And it was sort of like, well, you want to buy some, you know, $50 DVDs um, from Japan and you couldn't really. Um, But I totally agree, not only um, with this year, but I mean, even looking back to some years ago at um, the sort of agreement, or I don't know what the term was with stardom where they were sort of, um, you know, sharing talent or, or whatever, you know, officially was happening that I think they've always been great at um, creating talent, building talent. Um, I'm happy that, you know, seedlings, one of my favorite promotions. So happy that Takase was there. Cause I thought that she had a really great year. Um, so happy that I can see them other places, but also happy that now that they have their own platform where I can, you know, sort of see them in their home promotion, which I think is always um, as much as I enjoy people going out, you know, I do like to see people sort of in their home promotion and see exactly uh, what's going on. Uh, okay. So let's briefly touch on anything else before we move on to the awards. Uh, Taylor, you and I get to see an Oz Academy show. That was pretty cool, except for the fact that I don't remember it because it was the day I landed. <laughs> so, like, like I mean, I, I remember really enjoying some of it, but I also remember like almost falling asleep because I came straight there after I checked into my hotel. And yeah, so if you're if you're going on a trip to Japan, folks, I do can't really recommend going straight to a show because <clears throat> I've done it on two out of three of my trips, and I barely remember the New Japan Korokin, and I barely remember the Oz Academy show at Shujuku Face, but. I think I enjoyed it. Um, I'll say about Oz Academy that, you know, they sort of had a year that they always have, which is that if you can, if you either enjoy the sort of style that they do, the sort of interference heavy um, style that they have, or if you can at least, you know, sort of get past it, you'll probably enjoy a lot of what they did this year um, as I did. But I know that there are some people out there who don't like that style um, which I also totally understand and prefer not to watch the promotion because of it. Um, but I, the, the thing I always say to people who say, oh, should I get into this? I say, if you watch one show, any really any show, and you don't like the show, you're probably not going to like the promotion because that's the style, and the style is, you know, with some differences depending on who's matching up with who, but the style is sort of what the style of the promotion is. I thought they had a great year. I um, didn't do what John did. So I was very awake for that show. Um, And I thought it was an excellent show. I had a great time. Um, And I thought that their big show as um, 
I'll talk about a little, little bit later, was really great um, this year. Uh, so it, it was a promotion that I definitely enjoyed, but it's not for everyone as sort of it is every year. Um, yeah, I I didn't watch very much of them. I think for that reason, like I, I, if I'm in a certain mood, I can enjoy it. But I sort of know what I'm going to get. I think um, Kari Yonayama was really great in Oz Academy this year. Uh, whenever I saw her, and they've done, they've like a, a few companies have been pushing Rina Shingaki from. Um, formerly from uh, Kaintai Dojo now to aw or whatever it's called um but she had some good matches in oz academy but yeah i <laughs> i second uh yeah what you've said about it i think <clears throat> um uh, i just wanted to want... add actually because this this just made me remember thinking about um kai and tai uh, stuff um uh, Taka's new promotion jto have just debuted a couple of uh joshi rookies who are very, very good. Uh, Tomoko, Tomoka Inaba. I want to say Tomoko, but it's Tomoka Inaba. And Maika, um, who is having a match with Utami soon, I think. Um, so there'll be ones to watch for next year. <clears throat> Anything to add about... Uh, oh, I guess we can... What, what about Wave? I know they went away and then came back. Did you see much of Wave, Taylor? So I watched, um, I actually got the DVD of the Catch the Wave tournament um, because the way they aired it um, this year was a bit, it was a bit odd. I didn't watch what aired, but I just watched the DVD. Um, it's, you know, I think I sort of looked at it with a bit of sadness because I think last year was really great for them. I think they had a great mm -hmm. year outside of, you know, some issues that were out of their control. Um, and then Ohata retired, and then they said, oh, we're going on this four-month break. And it felt like in the four months that sort of the air came out of the balloon for them. Um, and they came back, and it just felt like um, it wasn't the same. The Catch the Wave stuff I watched was you know, up to the standards of, you know, the previous years, Catch the Waves, you know, a lot of good stuff and stuff that I enjoyed. But it just sort of felt like a promotion that, you know, they took the time off and came back and, it, you know, you just think, oh, it's it's not the same as, as it was. And now they've lost Mizunami as well. So, yeah. Right. I, I can't feel like they're long for this world, unfortunately. Unfortunately, because they, they were one of the companies that gave Sakura Hirota a real spotlight run this year. So, you know, we've got to thank them for that. Um, but, yeah, they were, they were hard to watch this year if you don't buy DVDs. Um, They've they've fallen quite a long way, I think. From do you guys? Can I, that reminds me though. Do you guys ever yeah. watch uh, Occupation of the Joshi? Because I feel like I see them. I saw them a million times on that, and that's probably about it. Yeah, that and kind of Battlemen. They yeah. like stuff would pop up, but yeah, it, it was. Um, they they were pretty much off the radar, I think, uh, for for a lot of this year, at least in my circle. But that's a little transition to Pure J, who I feel like is the, <laughs> the world champions of uh, of fucking occupation of the Joshi or Battleman. Like every time I see them, I mean, first of all, it looks like it looks like they're running these buildings in front of fifty people. It has to be said. Mm -hmm. But like the highlights always look so entertaining, and I'm like, oh, I should check out this match. And then I look at you know where can I watch the actual match, and the answer is nowhere. So mm -hmm. you know it's. 
they're the they're the champions of uh of uh, occupation of the joshi some entertaining one, matches one uh, cool thing that they form. did <laughs> one cool thing that they did this year was um they ran these two i mean it was sort of outside of the pure j umbrella but it was a command bolshoi thing uh she ran these two shows called pure princess um which were for rookies um but the focus was very much on kind of like technical stuff um and uh the second one um suzu suzuki from ice ribbon uh won the um the pop title which was a jwp kind of junior title that they've brought back uh she won it on a like a judge's vote or something uh, like they didn't actually um have a championship match for it she was just judged kind of like the best performer of all the rookies um so that was cool kind of to see bolshoi um steering all these rookies from different promotions like there were people from actress girls ice ribbon um etc there um also pure j have debuted a couple new rookies this year who seem pretty good there's one called korea who won the musical chairs competition at ymz corican hall um which is a feather in her cap um and one called akari who who's from chile who also seems pretty good but yeah like check them out on occupation of the joshi i guess any anything else to add about okay how about I guess let's finish up with YMZ, Taylor. Tell me about YMZ. YMZ, YMZ had a great year. Um, we were talking about them before we recorded. They're not really technically a Joshi promotion, but they have a lot of Joshi talent. Um, they, you know, the shows are very unique in that they're sort of very, um, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. I, I want to say story heavy, but not like a story of a match. You think of like, oh, someone's selling their leg, but as in like, oh, we're going to tell stories about each other. Um, about how you know, Hikaru Sato is a pervert. And that yeah. Um, or I'm going to talk about the crow that lives in, my, in the graveyard <laughs> next to my house. Um, but, you know, they're fun shows. They do a great job. They have their own streaming service. Um, where all the shows come out with English subtitles, which um, is pretty much essential for um, if you don't speak Japanese, understanding what's going on at YMZ. Um, but, you know, the shows usually, um, you know, they had a Corican show, which was a little bit longer, but the shows are usually about an hour. They've got a few matches, uh, so they're really easy to get through. They're a lot of fun. And, you know, of the hour, probably only about, you know, 35 minutes of that is, quote-unquote actual wrestling um but you know i just think they're fun you know sort of like in the similar vein of you know a little bit different than gato move but sort of that sort of thing where they're their own sort of look into the world of professional wrestling and what professional wrestling can be um so i always you know i want people to get involved my only hang up is that streaming service is um, ten dollars a month and it's usually you know at most two shows which you know for people who if you're into it i understand you know investing the money into that um sort of blindly for one or two shows might seem like a lot but you know i always recommend them as something totally different you know it's not you know you don't look at ymz and say oh it's just like this you know 
this other promotion I watch or something else I do. It's, it's totally unique. It's a lot of fun. I always love watching the shows. Um, so yeah. And I thought they had a great year. They had a cork in which, you know, was super fun um, and had, a, had a lot of the people who have wrestled in the past on the show. Plus others wow. like they, they had uh you know, Hannah Kimura and jungle Kiona in a, in a trios match with Mesa Ruga and Leon and some other people. Uh, I think Yonayama was there, obviously. It was really great seeing all those people together in one space. Also, just before you move on, John, shout out to Matsuzawa-san, who was the meme wrestler of, of 2019 <laughs> before Lulu Pencil came along. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anything else in Joshi that we were forgetting? Any other promotions or anything? I can't. Uh, well, can I? Oh, go on, go ahead. I was okay. going to say Diana. Diana had a, oh. a match between Ajakong and Sari, which never made tape, which is, yeah. is going to sting for a while. I think. Yeah, I mean the the highlights made a lot of the fucking match of the decade, and like yeah, yeah well, apparently we're never getting the actual match. Um, it's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going <laughs> to scold Diana because it's funny. Last year they created a YouTube where they were uploading matches, and then seemingly at the end of the year or the top of this year, they just stopped doing it um so it's actually it was not accessible at all 2018 it became more accessible and now it's back to becoming less accessible and the idea of that match between seri and aja kong not coming out is just absolutely wild to me um but i guess it is what it is but if anyone who has connections to pro wrestling diana is listening to this podcast in our what in hour two or wherever we are uh release that match please and let yeah. us see madeline wrestle as well i still haven't seen madeline wrestle. Did, did that other one close down that th- was like very connected to mexico reina remember the name reina thank you god it closed down right i think it's in some sort of afterlife situation yeah. but yeah i feel like that's the only closure i've heard about in a while so that's good mm. yeah yeah it used to be there used to be a time when you're a Jersey fan where it was like, oh, who who closed this week? So Well, if the big if uh you know Stardom and Tokyo Joshi <laughs> wanna wanna play things a certain way, then we might be back to that, but fingers crossed. Yeah. <clears throat> At least this time there would be a big promotion though, because the last yeah. time yeah. the last time the closure's happening, there was nobody. So yeah. all right, let's get to the award picks, the and the giant mailbag we have. So we're gonna start out with match of the year. Um, I have a top 10. I know Taylor has a top 10. Do you have a top 10, Luke? I do. Okay. So 10th place, I went with the Goddesses of Stardom Tag League Red Block, Maya Iwatani and Saki Kashima versus Momo Watanabe and Azumi from their October 14th Corican. I thought this was just a really, really, really fun tag sprint. Uh, really showed off why Azumi has so much potential. And I just really love this match a lot. So that's why I voted 10th place. Uh, Luke, what do you have here for 10th? Number 10, Yuka Sakazaki versus Shoko Nakajima from Ultimate Party on the 3rd of November. Um, This was one of those matches where my heart was still in my mouth the whole time, even on rewatch, like even when I knew what the result was. Um, I just thought they paced it brilliantly. And yeah, it really rose to the occasion. I think they really shined on that stage. So now I'm going to, I have to say now I made an executive decision on my part not to include that match because <laughs> it was a DT match to me, not a Tokyo Joshi match. But if I had decided to include it, it would have made my top 10. So yeah. awesome match. Uh, Taylor, what do you have 10th place? 
My number 10 is Riho versus Emi Sakura from Gato Moves Last Song for You on July 2nd. Um, it was Riho's farewell match in Gato Move. So obviously a very um, emotions were very high and I thought it was an excellent, you know, obviously I think Riho is one of the best um, as people have seen in AEW. Um, Emmy, of course, is a legend. And, you know, I thought it was just a, you know, a great in-ring match with the added, you know, emotional effect of it being Riho's last match. Uh, my ninth place, I have Meiko Satomura versus Reika Saiki from Tokyo Joshi's January 4th Corkin, uh, in what was kind of a down year for them. Work rate rise, I thought this was the best Tokyo Joshi match of the year. Again, not including the one in DDT, but this was a really awesome like power battle. Uh, you know, really, Reika got to really show what she could do here. Um, unfortunately, she did not return to Tokyo Joshi after. You know, a little while longer, but still a really awesome match here. Uh, you know, one of one of Mako's best like guest appearance matches of the year because she didn't do a lot of them this year, for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, my number nine is um, from Marvelous, 9th of September, May Hoshizuki versus Chikayo Nagashima. I mentioned it earlier, but um, this was for me the best of the appearances made by any of the Marvelous rookies all year absolutely like electric crowd um and hoshizuki actually kind of surpassing mio momono in some ways i think in terms of like just speed and kind of uh, annoyingness um so yeah absolutely fantastic match i can't imagine it's one that lots of people listening to this will have checked out so do watch that if you get the chance taylor my number nine is Dash Chizako versus Seri from Sendai Girls on April 27th. Um, I think as we see as we go up the list here, uh, it'll become pretty clear that Seri had a great year. And I think this Dash match was really great and I think sort of got buried in the hype be- behind a lot of other matches um, that, often, that also deserved um, a lot of hype. But we mentioned her earlier, Dash is really great. And I think sometimes under, um, maybe not under pushed is the right word, but underappreciated in Sendai Girls. And I just thought they had a great um, hard hitting match. Uh, my eighth place match from the five star Grand Prix Blue Stars block Utami Hayashishida versus Arisa Hoshiki from August 18th in Shinkiba. Uh, Utami, you know, she got derailed this year due to injuries after she obviously was an amazing rookie year last year, but. Uh, this was her highlight other than one other match. So actually she had an even better match, but uh, I thought she was awesome here. Uh, this was uh, one of those matches that really looked like a fight, which I always really enjoy. And, you know, I think she continued to show why she is probably a big future star for stardom. And obviously Hoshiki, you know, really uh, came into her own, you know, after winning the white belt for Momo. So this is another example of that. My number eight is Nanai Takahashi versus Takumi Iroha from Seedling 29th of May at Korokan Hall. Um, I actually preferred this match to the uh, Takahashi Nakajima match. Um, as far as kind of like big, dumb, uh, lots of finisher kick out epics go, um, this is this is probably my favorite of that type of match all year. Um, it felt like a, just a battle between two kind of heavy hitters who 
just kept hitting each other with their best shots, but couldn't, um, you know, find an opening. And then eventually Aroha manages to find this kind of tiny opening. And it was really, really exciting stuff. Taylor? My number eight is Momo Watanabe versus Utami Hayashishita at American Dream in the Big Apple on April 5th. Um, I was there live. Um, just thought it was a stellar match. Great crowd, you know, a big, uh, felt like a big moment. Um, and two great wrestlers having a great match. So, yeah. My number seven, the Super Asia title, Riho and Mei Suruga from Gato Move on June 4th in Shinkiba. Uh, as mentioned earlier, I was at this show, so that obviously gives it a live bump. And Riho, you know, if you if you see a lot of Riho, and, you know, obviously she's the big underdog in AEW, but if you want to see her as, like, the bully veteran who can be really, like, beat her up somebody who is, you know, if not smaller, I think she's smaller than her. I'm pretty sure she is, actually, because May, May is, like, 4'11", I think Riho's, like, 5-something, or five, either 5'1". Five or five one. Either way, if they're not, uh, if she's not smaller than about the same size, and you know she she's great here as like the you know the veteran bullies like just beating the crap out of May. So great match, uh, very happy I got to see it live, and definitely one you should check out if you like Riho at AEW and haven't seen her Gato stuff. Uh, uh, Luke, yeah, my number seven is Mama Watanabe versus Arisa Hoshiki from Stardom, sixteenth of May. I mentioned it earlier. Um, the finish to this match was just pitch perfect in terms of ending a kind of like year long title reign for Momo um, and passing the belt on to uh, this kind of um, new star. Um, it, it's one of the best finishes to a match I think I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it deserves a spot on the list just for that. Taylor? My number seven is Arisa Nakajima versus Asuka from Seedling Stay Tuned 2019 on May 29th. Um, it, it's a bit funny because we haven't really talked about Asuka much. She's sort of been all over the place this year and I think has been having uh, an incredible year, um, both in Joshi Promotions and um, in DDT as well. Arisa Nakajima, as I mentioned uh, the last time I was on this show is my favorite wrestler in the world. Um, so I just thought it was a great match, a great showing um, for Asuka sort of earlier in the year when her star was um, just starting to rise. So um, definitely one worth checking out. Uh, as coincidence would have it, my number six match of the year is the Seedling Beyond the Sea title, Nanai Takahashi versus Asuka from the Seedling March 20th Korokan. So I agree, Asuka had a great year in DDT and elsewhere, but I really liked this match a lot. I thought they, you know, it was a classic, like, two Joshi ladies just screaming at each other and beating the shit out of each other, and, you know, weapons got involved and everything. I thought this was just a really outstanding match, and, you know, if this fell under the radar for you being early in the year and, you know, the promotion not as many people watch, definitely go check that one out with Nanai and Asuka. I was at that match. Uh, that oh, was, awesome. yeah, 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 it was fantastic. Uh, my number six is uh, Tsukushi versus Mika Ozaki versus Satsuki Totoro from Ice Ribbon, 9th of February. Um, this was a match similar to the wave, uh, catch the wave block decider from last year. So it's a triple threat match, but it's done in a, as a series of singles matches, and you have to win two singles matches in a row to win the match. 
if that makes sense. Um, so when one person wins one singles match, the loser goes out, the next person comes in. And if you can win two in a row, you win the whole thing. Uh, it was the number one contenders match. And they used that stipulation so well that it made me question why that's not the way that everybody does three-way matches. Um, it had this amazing sense of urgency as the you know all the wrestlers got more tired and like managed to close out one match but then had to go straight into another against an opponent that had had time to rest um and sakushi as i'll get into later i think is you know i just think she's had a remarkable year in ring and this was kind of her match she won it um so yeah again one that might be off quite a lot of people's radars but definitely worth checking out taylor so mine is Momo Watanabe versus Jungle Kiona from Stardom World in Nagoya on March 3rd. Um, you know, I feel like every great Jungle Kiona match is a bit bittersweet as she usually is the loser of the match. Um, but thought this was great, really just what you would expect from these two hard hitting, um, very dramatic. Uh, so I thought, I thought it was an excellent match. Jungle's from Nagoya, right? That's yes, yeah, it was a hometown yeah. show, yeah. Uh, I have fifth place, Wonder of Stardom title, Momo Watanabe versus Jungle Kiona. <laughs> start on March 3rd, Nagoya International Conference Hall. So you just talked about it, but yes, I thought this was outstanding. Um, you know, up there for the Stardom match of the year, just below the one I picked, which is coming up. But uh, yeah, just an amazing match. And, you know, the the hometown factor, I think, really made added more heat to this match than you normally see in a lot of stardom matches. So that was something. Yeah. Uh, Luke? I may place. have that coming up. <laughs> but n- my number five is um, Miyuki Takase versus Himeka Arita from Actress Girls. 6th of November, their Corican Hall show and the final of their tournament to uh, crown a new champion after Reika Saiki had to vacate the belt. Um, so Takase and Arita were tag team partners for most of the year. Um, this was a, this was the first singles match between the two I'd ever seen, um, and it it was just it works so well. Arita is like bigger than nearly every re- Joshi wrestler she faces. Takase is quite small, but has this kind of like big, you know big brute in a small person's body vibe um and they just matched up so so well it's a really simple match just like lots of lariats and stuff like that um but so much feeling in it um and i was really really happy that takase won the belt uh so yeah it's my number five what was the what was the date on that one more time six of november okay cool it's on nico Uh, awesome and taylor your Next fifth place. So my number five is Hiroyo Matsumoto versus Mayumi Osaki from Oz Academy, Yokohama Shining uh, on August 25th. As I mentioned uh, during the Oz Academy portion, um, Oz Academy is a bit of a um, acquired taste, but I think that this is sort of the peak of what it can be. Uh, This was an exploding bat death match. Um, A lot going on. It was the main event of the show. Uh, A lot going on pretty much from the first bell to um, the closing bell, Um, but just really great. I sort of love the, I always love exploding bat death matches. I think they're so wild and crazy. Um, 
that I really like them, even though they don't happen all that often. Uh, but I thought that this one was was really, really good. Uh, up next, I have my fourth place match, which was the Sendai Girls World Title and Diana World Title, uh, Sari and Chihiro Hashimoto on Sendai Girls June 8th in Niigata. Um, I thought this was just an amazing match uh, right below my top three. It was really, I, I went back and back and forth. Um, if I like this one or the next one better, it may have just been the live bump for the next one. Uh, but this was a really awesome match. You know, felt like an absolute war between these two. Um, you know, I, I again, just a, I, I thought it was clearly better than the other Sari Chihiro match and just an amazing match. So one I'm going to remember for a while to come. Uh, Luke, your fourth Number place. four for me is uh, Momo Watanabe, Jungle Kiona from Nagoya. Uh, this this was my match of the year for a while when I first watched it, even even despite the sadness of, of Kiona losing. Um, I just thought they, they went to war, and yeah, it's amazing. But you've already talked about it, so Taylor. <laughs> well, I have the same number four as John Hashimoto versus Sari, the double title match um, from June. So it's been covered. Great, hard-hitting match. Obviously, Hashimoto is built like a tank, but uh, Sari sometimes, um, I think, likes to think that she's built that way uh, <laughs> with the way that she strikes. So I just thought it was a, you know, thought it was an amazing match. Uh, third place, the Wonder of Stardom title, Momo Watanabe and Hutami Hashishida from April fifth in New York City Arena. Um, this one I have quite a bit above where Taylor had it. I just thought. You know, again, being in the building, being so hyped for this, but, you know, probably my two favorite wrestlers in stardom, you know, facing each other and getting to be there for that match. And I thought they lived up to the hype and, you know, it was right there, right below uh, Naito Ibushi from MSG for my favorite match of the entire weekend. Uh, so just a really, really awesome match that I was so happy to be there for. Um, so, you know, just totally delivered. And I thought the crowd was super into it and, you know, even elevate the match but the you know the two of them they 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 put on an amazing match but also one where by the end you're like they could probably have an even better one someday so we'll have to wait and say but yeah that to have a third place and say that it's is something so these are two very talented wrestlers uh luke third my place. number three yeah my number three is may suruga versus An chamu from gato move second of march in ichigaya chocolate square um even more than the next match which i've got coming up um this is sort of a match that broke my brain a little bit um it's it's seven minutes long or less it takes place in yeah a converted dentist waiting room uh between two wrestlers who are i think both less than two years into their career um but it just felt more essential more real more urgent more characterful more everything than like 95% of wrestling, well, more than that, 99% uh, of wrestling that I watched this year. Um, so that is right there on YouTube, available for you to check out 2nd of March. Um, hopefully it'll break your brains too. Taylor, third place. My number three is Seri versus Tsukasa Fujimoto from Ice Ribbon 992 on September 14th. Uh, I really enjoyed, really loved this match, too, of my favorite wrestlers. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, had a problem at the end with Fujimoto sort of spamming um, the, spamming the finisher. Uh, yeah. 
um, which I actually really liked, something you don't really see a lot, which is someone just sort of trying to hit the same move over and over again to finish the match. Um, but it's sort of what you would expect from these two very hard hitting, you know, not holding anything back. Um, excellent match. Uh, number two, I have the seedling beyond the seed title, hair versus hair, the Nai Takahashi and Arisa Nakajima uh, from seedling November 2nd, Colts Kawasaki. Uh, this is so the, the top two matches here are both five star matches for me. Uh, they're both as close to, you know, they're both basically, as far as I can tell, perfect wrestling matches and, you know, exactly what I watch professional wrestling for. And, you know, they're right at the top of my overall match of the year list with uh, Naito Shingo and Naito Ibushi from New Japan. Um, so this is, you know, just in it. Two, as far as two women, she's beating the absolute fucking shit out of each other, which is exactly what I started watching Joshi, uh, what drew me to Joshi in the first place. I mean, this is it. Uh, it gets so gross at times that I can understand why someone might even not want to watch it. But um, it is just a, a brutal, brutal match. The two of them absolutely murder each other. Uh, from the opening bell, you know, it, it, it fits the, the level of hate that, you know, from the buildup. And even if you, the, the good thing about that too, is even if you hadn't followed the feud, you could catch up pretty much just from the fucking promo where they just make it, you know, even in a language you might not understand, they make it absolutely clear how much these two women have come to hate each other. And it totally works, um, you know, for that, for, for that buildup, uh, for the, the gravity of the hair versus hair stipulation, which, you know, it was obviously a, a classic thing in Joshi. Um, just an amazing match. Incredible. Um, I, I find it hard to believe someone could even watch this and be let down for what it is. Uh, if it's just not your thing, that's fine. But I, it's just an incredible match. Uh, Number two for me was, uh, that could probably apply a lot of what you just said about that match to this one. Uh, Tsukasa Fujimoto versus Tintin from Ice Ribbon, 31st of March at Corican Hall. Uh, Tintin is a giant panda. Um, mm. But the really smart thing about this match is, okay, so they they did this amazing kind of um, build-up where, where Fujimoto had been accused of an aff- having an affair with Andre the giant panda, so uh, and this was based on photos that had been taken at the uh, Tokyo Sports end of year award ceremony. Um, so then uh, uh, Andres' wife, Tintin, kind of like challenges Fujimoto to a fight. She gets people from the offices of Tokyo Sports to like hold up signs saying, answer my challenge, Fujimoto and stuff like that. Like this, this build went beyond, you know, Ice Ribbon's universe into kind of, the the sporting press um but then when they do the match suka is she she's up against this giant panda who's so much bigger than her but suka's like the bully and it's like she's bullying a rookie and you sort of remember like oh tintin's never wrestled a match before this is her first time in a ring so they take they they built it up one way but then they took it another way once the bell had rung and i just thought it was incredibly smart um it ended up, you know, you thought it was going to be one thing, but then it ended up speaking to so many other things. And, you know, aside from anything else, it's a match where Fujimoto took a choke slam from uh, a giant inflatable suit. So, uh, yeah, like masterful, masterful stuff. Taylor? 
John, I think we're going to be uh, in lockstep here at the end of this list because I was also I also had uh, Nakajima versus Takahashi from Seedling on November second. Uh, talked about it in the last uh, show I was on here, but Nakajima is my favorite wrestler. This is the end of a sort of a story that's been going on for quite a while. Uh, exactly my type of match, you know, just going out two people just trying to destroy each other and um, thought it was amazing. So why don't you talk about your number one first? Cause I know we have the same number one. All right. <laughs> so my number one was Mako Satomura versus Sari. Um, as you've probably heard already from my uh, previous entry, Sari is all over this list, but this was sort of the first, uh, this was her sort of first match that broke out um, of this year, which I was really happy about. I've been a Sari fan for um, a number of years, uh, but after she left Seedling, it was uh, a little bit difficult to see her matches. Sometimes Diana would upload them on their now seemingly defunct YouTube channel. Um, but I was really happy to see her be able to have this breakout year, have so many good matches. And I think that this match versus Mako was sort of the height of it in terms of just, um, you know, I'm sort of repeating myself as you can see the sort of match I enjoy, but two people going out hitting hard it's a it's a very quick match, so if you you know don't have much time, or, or you're in a time crunch, you know you could probably watch this very quickly, because um, it goes from the beginning to the end. Um, it's go go go, hit hit hit, and um, just an incredible incredible match, and definitely far and away my number one match of the year. Yeah, so I have the same thing. Uh, Mako and Sari, which is Sendai Girls uh, on their April sixteenth Corican. Uh, again, a five-star match. I mean, I, I just swirl it right now. This is my overall match of the year and probably will be unless something really shocks me. So this is, I, you know, in December, which I don't see happening. Um, but this was like, as far as I'm concerned, again, pretty much the perfect match. I, do, I don't know what there is to nitpick with it. They went out there with a very simple story, which is Mako is the veteran and Sari is this upstart in the company from outside the company and Mako doesn't take her seriously at first, but Sari just comes back and just fucking kicks her ass by the end. And they tell that story in a very concise way. You know, the match only goes like 15 minutes, but like, you know, it's, it's almost the Joshi equivalent in some ways in that of the Ishii Shibata match from the G1 in 2013. It goes a little bit longer, but it's just, you know, just nonstop action from the moment the bell rings until the end. And, the fact that they still managed to tell a story in by doing that without pretty much again, ever stopping or ever like, you know, having any, like, uh, I mean, they just go at such a fucking fast pace and they still managed to tell a very like complete story and the match is really a, an amazing accomplishment. So, you know, I, I, I had this, my match of the year in April and nothing has beaten it. I just don't think uh, there was a better wrestling match this year. It's a match I'm going to remember, you know, probably until the day I die. So anytime you have a match that sticks out to you that much, it's probably your match of the year. Um, um, my match of the year has already been mentioned and it also has Sari in it, but it's the uh, double title match versus Jiro Hashimoto from Sendai Girls 8th of June. Um, Sari is just one of those wrestlers, isn't she? Who can just make you completely believe in what she's doing. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, 
especially with the way that AEW have gone about this, there's been quite a bit of talk about real sports feel and what that means in pro wrestling. For me, like real sports, the moments of drama in real sports are always more dramatic than the moments of drama that, you know, the majority of moments of drama you get in pro wrestling purely because they're not scripted and you don't see them coming. And Sari, when I'm watching her matches, I feel like I'm watching a real athlete. <laughs> like I feel like I'm watching a real sporting competition just because I think she understands competition like, and she understands what that looks like. And a lot of her matches, the drama of her matches are about her seizing these tiny moments where she can turn the match on its head. Um, and this was a match where she was kind of bullied and dominated by Hashimoto, but, and had to use her kind of technical know-how to, to work out a way out of this situation. And I think I watched it like four times in a row <laughs> the first time I saw it. And every time I spotted a new detail. So yeah, incredible match and my number one for mm. the year. All right. So we spent a lot of time on the match of your list. So let's try to go faster through yeah. the rest of these awards. But uh, I hopefully you found a lot of new matches to check out if you're listening. I, I know I did, actually, from Luke's list, especially. Uh, Feud of the Year. Uh, I went, I, I'm, let's just all give our top three real quick. I went Chihiro Hashimoto, Sari from Sendai in third, uh, which are, you know, two two really good matches. And, you know, not, not this was the only award where not a ton stood out to me compared to the other awards. So, you know, maybe it's just the promotions I watch. But yeah, Chihiro and Sari in third. Uh, Niyu Bishiki-gun versus Rika Tatsumi slash uh, Miyu Watanabe and Tokyo Joshi in second, which I thought was like the highlight of their year uh, and told a really good story. And then I went with Nanai Takahashi and Arisa Nakajima from Sea League in first, which, you know, just felt like the build was just better than the build to anything else I saw this year. So it felt like an easy number one. Luke? Uh, number three, May Saruga Emi Sakura. Uh, this was kind of something that started from the moment May Saruga debuted, but they had a lot of memorable clashes in singles and tag matches this year. And I think they're kind of building up to be, well, they're, they're obviously building up to be career rivals. So that's that's great. Uh, two, Sari Hashimoto, just because of the sheer quality of the wrestling they produced together. And uh, number one, uh, Suzu Suzuki and Asahi in Ice Ribbon. So these two rookies, um, Suzu uh, got the win over Asahi in her debut match at Ribbon Mania last year with a German suplex hold, uh, which is an incredible thing to see a debutante performing and sort of had the upper hand on Asahi for most of the year. Um, and it just produced this really, really beautiful rivalry that still is kind of ongoing, hasn't had its blow off yet. So yeah, that was that was my favorite feud of the year. Taylor? So I only did one for this category and it was Nakajima versus Takahashi. And, you know, I think it's been covered. So yeah. Uh, promotion of the year. Obviously this is one of two episodes where we can actually do that. Uh, I have Tokyo Joshi in third. Um, normally when we do the real awards, that'll count as part of DDT but I just put them as their own thing here. Uh, I, again, I didn't think they had an amazing year like last year, but still uh, enough where I, I really enjoyed following them week to week or month to month. Uh, Seedling in second, where just almost everything I saw from them was a certain baseline of good, and they just made such a lot of a lot of great strides this year. And Stardom in first, I just thought, you know, again, they had a really great year as far as, like, in-ring goes, as far as, you know, introducing... 
uh, or getting over talent like uh, Arisa Hoshiki goes. And like, I don't know, it just feels like they've really clicked on all cylinders this year. And, you know, they're probably going to be, I mean, they're for sure going to make my overall top three. So I thought they were, they just had a really outstanding year. Uh, for me, I've got Seedling at number three um, for reasons that I've mentioned. They they seem like the best kind of most exciting crossroads for people from different promotions and freelancers at the moment. They always put on great cards. Uh, number two, I've got Ice Ribbon. Um, again, for reasons I've gone into, I, I think every one of their big shows was built beautifully. They've done so much interesting stuff this year and just uh, their roster uh, is just one of the most interesting rosters in Joshi and number one Gato move just uh I think they do wrestling like no other promotion and getting to see um so much more of them this year has just been it's changed the way I think about wrestling to be honest so they have to be my number one Taylor uh the reasons have sort of been covered so I'll just say my number three was stardom my number two was Gato move and my number one was seedling uh, best major show, I have Seedling, Dynamic, Showcase, Kawasaki, Monogatari in third. Um, you know, even with the the choppy editing from Samurai, I just thought this was a really fun show with a match of the year main event. So there you go. Uh, number two, I have Stardom, American Dream, and the Big Apple. You know, it was the best Joshi live show I attended. It had a really unique atmosphere. I thought the elimination main event was even very underrated. Uh, and then I, again, had a really awesome Momo Utami match. And my favorite overall show was Tokyo Joshi Pro, the mountaintop. I will not lose to anyone. Uh, September 1st in Osaka. Uh, didn't have like the standout matches as the other ones, but just as far as overall enjoyment from start to finish, it was a uh, really a high level show for me. Just a really, really fun show that I think could have flown under the radar if you uh, weren't paying attention. So there you go. Uh, at three, I've got Ice Ribbon, Ice in Wonderland 2019. Uh, this was the kind of final stages of the tournament they had to decide the main event at Yokohama Bunker. Um, this was 24th of August, Corrigan Hall. Um, and so it had a main event, uh, or it kind of had a double main event. Rina Yamashita versus Maya Yuki was an incredible match. Um, Maya Yuki had a match against Ram Kaicho earlier in the night, which was kind of fascinating. Um, it was just one of those wall-to-wall banger kind of shows. Um, number two, I've got Seedling Stay Tune. Um, this was the one that had Iroha Takahashi, and it also had probably my favorite tag match of the year, which was the beginning, uh, Takase and Arita versus Hiroi Matsumoto and Amazon. Uh, and it also had that amazing nakajima asuka match so just packed with really great stuff and number one despite me saying you know i didn't think they had the best year tokyo joshi uh hall 4th of january just for that that triple header with the saiki satamura the um riho and nakajima versus magical sugar rabbits and then miyu yamashita v maki ito like i was i was crying for maybe the last hour of that show so uh they do Tokyo Joshi do big shows better than anyone now I think for all their faults so yeah that's my number one uh my number three was seedling dynamic showcase my number two was uh stardom American dream and the big apple and my number one was Oz Academy Yokohama shining Mentioned it before the main event was in my top 10 matches of the year. 
but the tag uh, title semi-main was also great, and I thought the rest of the show was very good as well. So that's my number one show of the year. Uh, tag team of the year, I have Saki-sama and Masao in third. I just didn't think the match quality was high enough to go higher, but they were still a really interesting team. Uh, Momo Watanabe and Azumi from Stardom in second, which I'm just basing off their tag league run, which I absolutely loved. And I went with Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki, the Magical Sugar Rabbits in first, because as they, they held the titles only until June 9th, and then they were done as a team. But, man, that was a great six months so, or mm. five months or whatever. So uh, that's my three picks. I, I could have put them in, but I had a feeling someone else might. So I've I've tried to kind of uh, represent some under-the-radar picks. Uh, number three, Burning Raw from Ice Ribbon. That's Tequila Sire and Julia. Um, they just had such an interesting dynamic as a team, um, which is kind of my justification for all these teams on the list. My number two is Mei Mei, uh, Mei Suriga and Mei Hoshizuki, um, who tag together in Seedling. Um their matches are just so, so much fun to watch. And number one, the beginning, Miyuki Takase and Himika Arita. Um, I mentioned their singles match um, at Corican Hall as one of my matches of the year, but um, they their team work together was also really, really must-see. Um, this great dynamic with Arita as the giant and Takase as the, you know, person who thinks she's a giant um it just works so well together so yeah they're my number one team of the year this is another one i only have one again and mine was magical sugar rabbits uh, as john already mentioned thought they had a great beginning of the year maybe the highlight of tokyo joshi's uh first half of the year so they were my number one uh most outstanding and wrestler of the year these two i had such a hard time narrowing down picks because there were just so many wrestlers in joshi I feel like we're awesome this year. So most outstanding, I went with Mako in third. I thought she just kept chugging along as awesome as ever and gets a lot of credit for a match of the year, but appeared elsewhere on the list. And, you know, everything she was in was great. Uh, Momo Watanabe in second. Um, you know, she lost her push towards the back half, but, you know, even then she was awesome in, like, tag team stuff. So it felt like she never, like, quit being great. But I just can't justify putting her first. But, I mean, she's just so great. And number one, Sari. I mean, this even though the two and three were hard to pick, but one, I kind of figured she would be number one. She just everything I saw her in was outstanding. Yeah, most outstanding. Um, I've I've sort of gone with uh, people who you know didn't necessarily get the big title pushes that others got. Um, so in number three, I've got Miyuki Takase. Um, I just find her so compelling to watch and I've enjoyed every single one of her matches this year. Um, she just kind of knows how to project in the ring and it just makes her matches really stand out for me. Uh, and she's getting the kind of uh, credit she deserves now. She had the tag title run in Seedling and now she's Actress Girls Singles Champion. Um, so, all, you know, that's a happy ending for her this year. Um, number two, uh, Tsukushi. Um, she was the best wrestler in Ice Ribbon this year, which is saying something because they have a lot of very good wrestlers. Uh, for anything from, you know, Corican Hall main events to like tiny uh, dojo shows, she just gave it her all and she's she's just a wizard. And number one, uh, most outstanding, Mei Suruga, who I think is in the process of reinventing pro wrestling as we know it. Uh, 
she's got some sort of like alien intelligence for how wrestling works and I can't wait to see how her career unfolds but she she was my favorite wrestler to watch this year Kayla uh, so, so my number three was Arisa Nakajima. As I said, she's my favorite wrestler, so I think I have some personal bias there, but she had a great year. Uh, my second one's a little bit of a fudge. I said Asuka. Uh, she had a lot sort of outside of the world of Joshi. That was excellent, but, you know, I sort of counter in this world, and some of the great stuff she had was in the world of Joshi, as I mentioned on my top ten. Um, and my number one was Sari. As you could tell, I had her uh, multiple times on my top 10 list. So I think that she was, you know, head and shoulders, the number one choice for me. Uh, wrestler of the year. I went with Hanakamura in third. I thought, you know, her big push in starting with her own unit, you know, really was an important part of their year. Uh, she really came into her own in-ring wise too in the five-star finally, and just seems to be really popular on both sides of the Pacific. So I thought she was like the the big breakout star and start in this year so that's why i went with her in third uh, i went with nanai takahashi in second uh she was champion through may uh she had a big year where it finally felt like her promotion started to get out of neutral she again started a new unit and you know all of her in-ring stuff was awesome so i thought she was a clear uh contender here and then three and first it was just her year uh she reigned as champion everywhere and you know she was outstanding in ring and just on top all over the place so Rest of the year, I think it's pretty. I don't think that one's a tough decision, but two and three were tough. There were a lot of people I could have gone with. I've I've escaped. Uh, it was so tough to pick. Oh, Sari's my number one for the exact reasons you've said. It was so tough to pick a number two and three though. So I've just given a cop out answer of Mio Yamashita, Momo Watanabe, Chihiro Hashimoto, Maya Yuki, Sakata Fujimoto, Takumi Iroha, Nanai Takahashi, and Sari Ano. So they're my two and three. Uh, all the aces basically. Like there were so many good aces this year, but Sari was the best of them. So, yeah, and I went um, Nane Takahashi in third, Maya Yukihi in second, and Sari in first. All right. So let's get into the questions. Uh, there's a lot that we covered already, so I'm going to skip a lot of questions. So I apologize if I skipped your question because it's something we already covered. Uh, at Akiba Sasha on Twitter, with Andres Miyagi leaving, Hazuki retiring, and the steady rise of Super Hana, do you think Oedo ties on its way out soon? Well, they weren't on that poster, were they? That that's been made for some sort of uh, event, upcoming event. But I don't know if if we should read too much into that. I mean, Stardom could be an angle. Shuffles. Yeah, it could be an angle. Stardom shuffles factions a lot anyway so they they've just had the most longevity i i, I don't know they have to they i mean bushi road are you know a business first and foremost and they they have to be looking at the numbers and i would guess oedo tai sell quite a lot of merch so i don't know yeah and i want to say when it comes to skipping questions we got a million questions that were like what's the start and purchase going to mean i think we covered that a lot at the start of the episode so that's why i'm skipping any questions like that uh taylor do you have any thoughts on oedo tie um well it's interesting because a couple years back they um they sort of split people split off of oedo tie and became oedo a different oedo tie um 
I think they're technically seen as two different groups, even though they're called the same thing and they had um, wrestlers in common. And I do wonder if something like that happens again, where a certain subsect of the group sort of splits off and forms their own um, version of it, sort of version three of the group, um, because there is some historical precedence for that happening. Um, but I think, as you said, there is some interest in, you know, selling the merch and they are, you know, well liked by the fans. So I don't know that I would break them up, but, you know, it's certainly possible. At Emperor's Consort, what's the best variation of the Goodnight Express? <laughs> uh, wasn't the one where, oh, maybe this was from last year, where someone, I think it might have been you, picked Raku up and like rocked her to sleep and then sat on the person they were pinning. I might have just made that up, but I, I feel like that's my favorite of all the variations that I've seen. Yeah, that does sound... Now I'm thinking of that. That does sound familiar, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tokyo Cyber Alex, which 2019 rookie do you see having the biggest 2020? Hmm. Ooh. I'm going to throw well, Mariah. Mar- I'm going to put Mariah in the contention. Yeah, she's already got an amazing lariat, and I think she's got a lot of room to grow. Well, she's ready. If they want to push yeah. her, she's ready. Um, it's That's just whether Tokyo Joshi. Yeah, yeah. It's just whether they do want to push her that much. Um, ooh, I'm not sure. Uh, Maria is clearly very favored um, by Nanai Takahashi. So we could see her kind of rise through the ranks a bit. Um, but there's, you know, there's quite a crowd now, I guess, in Seedling with these units. So it would it would take a bit of effort. I, I think I'll go with Mirai as well. Or Suzume, maybe, because she's pretty good too. I mean, I think it could be any one of those marvelous rookies. I think in a year, if you told me that one of them broke out, it, really any one of the of the big three, I would I would believe you. So they would sort of be my cop-out pick as all three of them. Uh, at Noah Savior, Alex, who's a former guest on the show, with Joshi wrestlers getting the most TV screen time in the U.S. since WCW, who would you like to see pop up in AEW? Uh, to me, number one with a bullet here, which seems very possible given the relationship, is Miyu Yamashita. I think it will happen, but I just think, you know, she brings like a very like kick-heavy element that even – you know, to, to a degree that Hikaru Shida can't even really match. And I, I, if I have one complaint about the Joshi and AEW, it, it feels like they tell them to fucking, you know, uh, pull back and not hit as hard or whatever. I want to see Mio go out there and fucking kick some people in the face. Like, I'm sick of this shit. Just let them kick people. Anyway. Yeah, that would make for, for some pretty great matches. I wonder if um, Emmy will bring anyone else from Gato Move along. I'm going to say Lulu Pencil. <laughs> just for the takes, just for the takes it would create. She uh, did get a shout she did get a shout out on commentary so she did. In universe, they're setting things up, yeah. Um my sort of gatekeeping answer uh not to say this would be I don't really need anyone to go over there because I like watching them, you know, where they are and I feel the same way you do John that I think someone backstage is being like, "Hey, don't go, you know, I know over in Japan, you know, you kick really hard, but don't do that, which sort of has, you know, and then it happens that people go, well, it's Joshi. I don't know about this. And you're like, well, yeah, it's not the same. Just watch, you know, 
a stardom show or a you know tokyo joshi show or whatever so yeah yeah, because it's like the the one that annoys me the most is Riho because it's like oh she's so light like she fucking kicks people in the head in in uh in Japan you know she fucking drop kicks them right in the head when they're leaning against the ropes I never see her do anything like that in AEW so one person that it would be that is I would guess is going to pop up in AEW soon and it would be very sad if they didn't let her hit people hard is Rio Mizunami um, mm. uh, I mean. I think she'll get over uh, just with her kind of gimmick. Um, and I would really like to see that because I have had a really nice time watching the Joshi matches in AEW just because of how much people get into them. And it's like, yeah, no shit. Joshi's like really good. <laughs> it's like better I mean, I than wanna, the other stuff on the card. I want to say too, even with those caveats, I still do think a lot of the Joshi matches have been their best matches, yeah. especially since I'm not that high on the uh, AEW men's roster. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I dip. Look, the Joshi matches in AEW are good, and they're better than a lot of people say they are, but the Joshi wrestlers are also better in Japan. Mm-hmm. So both those things can be true, I guess. And if Rio goes to, uh, if Rio Mizunami goes to AEW, they better shell out for Pitbull. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they won't. If any, no, if they won't, happen. but they should. Yeah. Uh, at Grapplestein, um, which promotion grew the most in 2019? I guess Stardom, right? I can't really see any other answer. Uh, maybe st- Stardom in in a certain sense, but also Gato Move uh, in terms of their platform, I think. Um, if we're talking cold, hard cash, then yeah, definitely Stardom. Um, but Gato Move have set up a platform for themselves in 2020 which they absolutely did not have at the beginning of this year so yeah gato move was my first thought just because i feel like a lot of the bushy road stuff is sort of people you know they're obviously there and things are going to start happening but nothing has really happened yet um it's sort of all anticipatory and obviously we know it will happen it's not gonna you know it's not an if it's a when but it hasn't happened yet so my first thought was also gato move at Downward Spirals is seeding the best in-ring Joshi product this year. I think it's either them or, or Sendai, probably. But both of them are really close. Yeah, I think in terms of the variety it offers, like the the that it can have these big kind of epic main events, which they've been doing really well this year. Like I think this has been a particularly good in-ring year for Nanai. Um, but also, you know, the they throw those into the mix with high speed matches and with kind of uh, fun, like six man tags and stuff like that. So in terms of everything being different and everything being good um, to paraphrase Tokyo Cybersquad, <laughs> uh, uh, it's yeah, I, I think there's definitely an argument to be made there. And they were my number one uh, promotion of the year. So I think, you know, to me, the answer is yes. Uh, Puro Prairie Podcast, what are your top three most wanted Gato Move debuts? Well, Miyako Matsumoto would be a fun one, considering she's no longer with Ice Ribbon. Um, I assume she's never worked for Gato Move before, but it would be really nice now that she's got this whole uh, Gake no Fuchi Pro thing that she's launching in the new year um, to see her reconnect with her trainer. Um that's my submission. What about you, Taylor? Oh, I'm trying to... Th- this is like a tough one because I go through a lot. Like, Sasa Dongo Machine hasn't wrestled for them, has he? Not no. that I'm aware of. Yeah, I think... I mean, that would be a good one just sort of off the top of my head. Um, 
you know, sort of going from the, you know, going through Honda, um, who's obviously great in Gato Move. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are so many. Uh, is a pro- you know, we could probably be here all day naming people who would be alive. I have, by, so I have a good one. I have a good one. Uh, it's somebody who, uh, you know, it's a man, first of all, and they, there are male wrestlers in Gato Move a lot. It's a very underutilized wrestler by his home promotion this year. I mean, he keeps getting stuck on YouTube a lot, and I feel like he needs a platform to really uh, show what he can do. He might as well go to a good YouTube promotion. He's going to be on YouTube all the time. So a little known wrestler by the name of Kenny Omega, I think, <laughs> would be a good one. And I think he, he has some good comedy chops uh, in his background. So I think he would be a... But you are aware one. that he what, did yeah. that before. Wouldn't be a debut. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Forgot. oh you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Uh, I did that whole setup for that joke, and you're really fucked up. But <laughs> got to move a turn. Uh, yeah, that is yeah, all right no. now. Who do you? What do you see in the future for YMZ? Um, the Corican show. I mean, it was a. It was also Yoniyama's twentieth anniversary, so it's maybe not something that's going to be replicated every year. Um, but I could sort of see them. I mean, they must have had so much fun making that show. It was such a kind of you know a, a, a weird and wonderful card i i just feel like they feel they've done corican hall once you know why couldn't they make it an annual thing now and and it's just going to make it more appealing you know get the name out there and make it more appealing for wrestlers of all stripes to go and work there so you know fingers crossed that that they they kind of just keep going in the same direction because i think what they do is so great uh, but just expand and yeah. Yeah. I'm Be not sure that there's any, I I'm struggling to think of something like sort of a goal beyond sort of keep doing what they're doing. Um, obviously doing, you know, bigger venues like Corican is fun, but it's not vital for me at least. I don't know what the company's, you know, I don't know what their finances are like. Uh, it's something I've never even really thought about. Um, but I mean, I like the, sh- I love the Corican show, but I also love the, you know, little small shows in front of, you know, 25 or 30 people. Um, so yeah, I would say keep doing what they're doing. You know, uh, Sheeta uh, went to the US uh, full time, or at least, you know, mostly full time now. So they, you know, have sort of a top spot that maybe they could replace with someone fun. Uh, but other than that, just keep on keeping on. Yeah. At Spirit of Jazz, which one of Chigusa's child soldiers will have the best showing in 2020? I think we kind of covered this a little bit, but mm. is anybody? I I think I think Hoshizuki might really come into her own, but I mean that's just a hunch. I think because she's my favorite. Um, but that match, that showing she had with Nagashima, which was in my match of the year list, was like, you know. It very promising sign of what's to come. So fingers crossed. Um, I was going to say the same thing, but to be different now, I'll change my answer and say Maria. Mm. Uh, at Love Song Writer, who was your Joshi breakout star this year? I think you kind of have to go with Sari here because she, you know, like Taylor was saying, she was barely on tape last year and she yeah. kind of took over the scene. Uh if you want to go with Lulu Pencil as well, you could do that <laughs> yeah. too. But, yeah. but I think Sarisa, I think Sarisa's the biggest answer, probably. The easy one. I'll, but. I'll go with that, yeah. Yeah, it feels I mean, it's it's the correct answer. It does feel a little bit strange because she did, you know, 
have a platform because she was in seedling for a while and she was having good matches and then sort of disappeared. Uh, so sort of the, you know, if this was a sport, she might also get, you know, like most improved player in terms of actually getting out there and getting her matches on tape, um, which is probably, you know, the breakout. So Lulu Pencil would be one or, or Matsuzawa-san. Matsuzawa-san. Um, uh, Miyuki Takase as well. I think like she she showed promise last year in her appearances in Wave and stuff, but she's just broken out so much this year and has kind of just shone in every setting she's been put into so wave seedling back home in actress girls ice ribbon um so yeah she's she's really coming to her own this year as far as uh, i'm concerned at past reset who are the next top opponents for may suruga as she quietly outperforms the cody list thing <laughs> yeah because who's she she's had match singles matches now with masahiro takanashi which was a great match she's had loads with emi stakura um she had that one with rio that was in your list um i don't know like i'd i'd love to see it she has been in ddt before um right at the beginning of her career um and i'd love to see her go back to ddt and i'm trying to think who would be a good person for her to work with there though uh what what do you reckon you guys watch more ddt than me yeah i'm trying to um i would love her to be a saki akai uh trial match oh yeah that would be oh yeah the height difference alone would be like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we'll say saki akai yeah uh at k-o-l-d-p-t if saki sama has to rebuild speaking of her oh actually no that's different russell what am i talking about if saki sama has to rebuild new bushiki goon who should she draft slash corrupt we've been saying this for ages now but raku definitely raku like what else yeah. is Raku doing other than waiting to join New Bishiki Goon? Yeah, get it done, Coda. Yeah, and now, uh, yeah, now we know that it's gonna actually. I guess spoilers need to happen, but um, mm-hmm. I was gonna say Hikari Noah. Um, so I guess we're sort of in the same boat, but on slightly different wavelengths. But yeah, that would be my pick. Uh, at Joshi Valley, uh, do you rate Joshi match of the years in the same way as the men? Uh, will Mako Sari or Nanai or Zarisa crack an overall top 10? I think I kind of already said yes because Mako and Sari is my number one match of the year overall, and you know, Arisa and Nanai is number three, so I do. I mean, honestly, this would be this would have been a better question for the fucking WWE episode, uh, because if anything, I need to give uh. American pro wrestling a handicap because mm. that's what they that's what fails to WWE or AEW they both fail to show up on you know any of my year end overall lists whereas you know Joshi does not Joshi is always on my year end match of the year list and uh, you know it's not I don't really see any reason to rate it differently and it it doesn't need any kind of weird fucking sexist handicap it's outstanding wrestling what do you want me to tell you yeah this is this is my match of the year list the only like in general, the only thing I might change is um, that Lily Pencil Antonio Honda would be right near the top if if we were also considering intergender. But other than that, yeah. Well, you only it. watch men's wrestling, right? So um, yeah, a bit DDT, <laughs> but yeah, it's not as good. Yeah, and I'm the same. Yeah, I mean, they I try re- hard. But... Yeah, sorry, content. <laughs> <laughs> I rank them the you know they're all the same. I think five out of I think 
five out of my 10 matches I listed are going to be in my top 10. So yeah, that's, so that's actually totally even five out of 10, I guess would be, you know, 50%. Yeah. But yeah, there's no handicap or anything. I don't even think about that. So. Yeah. I mean, I, it's only the two that I mentioned that are going to be in my overall top 10, but I'm not, you know, if, if it's an overall match and it's an overall match, I don't really see any reason to, be special about it but again that's two more than all of america is getting on my top 10 uh darren and i can't i'm not going to read your handle buddy it's the old mikriwata handle yeah uh what is suzuki suzuki's ceiling uh, she uh, every time i see a picture of suzu or like you know a clip or whatever of her stood next to fujimoto um i think she's gonna be the new fujimoto when fujimoto retires I I just think that stylistically they're not identical, but there's enough in common there. Um, and Suzu is already she's already well on her way, I think. Uh, and I, I think that's I think for whatever Fujimoto's ceiling is now, um, it's that plus minus what you know whatever you get from where Ice Ribbon is in ten years time. So yeah, that's that's how I see her career panning out. Um, I never, uh, not to, this maybe will sound like sort of a Debbie Downer, uh, sort of response. I never sort of project where anyone will go. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the rookies in 2020 and stuff like that, but you know, Joshi is sort of a strange world where at any moment anyone can leave, uh, for good as we're seeing, you know, in a week or two in stardom with Hazuki all of a sudden leaving sort of. Um, unexpectedly and out of nowhere. You know, I hope everyone goes on and becomes huge stars because that would be awesome because that's more fun wrestling for me to watch. Uh, but I just don't like, I don't love playing the the sort of guessing game with Joshi because it's so um, volatile of a, you know, of a style of wrestling. Uh, okay, so we're running low on time. I'm going to pick through... That's all I have time for with the Twitter questions. I'm only going to pick a couple uh, of the Discord questions. So a lot of it we covered anyway. But let's see. Um, from nothing to see here anymore, how many defenses will Yuka get with the belt? Will she lose it on 1-4? Or will she be able to hold it for some time? I think she's going to win on 1-4. I, I don't feel super confident about that, but I feel like she probably will get to beat Mew finally. And I would assume after that she gets at least a couple more defenses. Yeah, I I think she will. I think it would be unnecessarily cruel to make her do zero defenses twice, uh, especially considering Miu had such a long run with it already. Um, Tokyo Joshi, other than Miu's Miu's defense record, you know, Shoko had maybe three defenses, and that was one of the best records in the history of the belt. So she'll she'll drop it to somebody in you know, spring, summer next year. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's probably going to happen. Yeah. I was going to say four because I'm guessing that she gets through one four. Um, she has a title defense at the WrestleMania show. So that's two. And then, you know, if you think, okay, she drops it in June, you probably have space for one or maybe two more defenses. So that's, so my guess is four. Uh, as it turns out, I think discord is down. So I can't even get on there to, uh, you know, see the rest of the questions. But, uh, 
Yeah, for some reason, let me access the pinned questions on the JCAST server, but not. I can't get over to the VOW server to see the pinned questions. So uh, I apologize, guys, if you had questions I, you know, I didn't get to. I mean, we're running out of time anyway, but you know, there's some kind of Discord server issue. So there you go. I guess that happens. All right. Uh, why don't we go ahead and do some plugs here, Luke? I know you have a podcast to plug. Yeah, um, uh, the Miracle Apricot Podcast, which is on Twitter at, at Apricot Pod. Um, we should have a couple of new episodes coming out soon. One of them will be a deep dive into the career of Sakura Hirota, and there will be another episode which me and Connor will do in our kind of high-speed wrestling podcast guys um, about my sub-10-minute match of the year. Um which I have already discussed on this podcast, but I'll I'll keep which one it was a secret. Um, yeah, it, it, all the stuff I was saying about Gatto Move earlier, um, I have discussed at much greater length on an episode called uh, Notes Towards a Theory of Saccharism, um, which you'll find if you scroll back far enough on, on that Twitter page. Um, and I, I interviewed uh, Balianaki and Darcy Stone, who've worked and trained with Emi Sakura on that podcast. So uh, do check that out if if the Gatto Move chat has piqued your interest at all. Uh, and you can follow me at, at Oysters Earrings on Twitter. Um, and I am just always talking about Joshi. So give me a follow. Uh, Taylor? Uh, so, uh, coming up this week, I will be, uh, recording a podcast with Aaron Bentley for the everything elite Patreon, which is going to be a deep dive into stardom, uh, the history of the promotion, where it came from the wrestlers, the, the factions. Uh, so if you listen to this, uh, long podcast about Joshi, but you are still new to stardom or, or want to learn more, you can check that out. That will be on their Patreon, um, hopefully in the next week or so. Um, also, if you enjoyed this discussion, I'll give a little bit of a blind item to say um, that you may want to follow me on Twitter, T-A-M-A-I-M-B-O, Tamambo, uh, because there will most likely be some upcoming announcements to things I'll be doing. Uh, that you may be interested in. So uh, give it a follow and look out for that information. Oh, are you doing a Joshi podcast? Is that what you're teasing? I can't say. I <laughs> can't say. Okay. Uh, I know people have wanted that in the network forever, so that'd be something. All right, folks. Uh, you are listening, as always, to Wrestling Omakase. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omakase. Wrestling did not fit. And folks, this week means we are officially halfway done with our year interview series uh next weekend we hit the fourth out of six which is uh it's going to be first of all we, we've done ring of honor in the past two years with the same two guests uh ring of honor did not have a good year and i did not watch them so i did not want to do ring of honor again but i wanted to bring them back on so what we're doing instead is aew and ring of honor since roh had so much to do with uh or vice versa they they were kind of connected and the rise of AEW really hurt the you know the ring of honor i guess you could say so we'll talk about roh's very interesting year as far as like completely falling off the face of the fucking earth but we'll also have a promotion to talk about um as far as like shows i actually watched this year so it'll be AEW and roh next year with uh or next week with sean with uh, sean cedor and joe gagney returning 
Plus, Nate from Everything Elite is going to be on too. So another podcast on this network. So the three of them, Nate, Sean, and Joe, will be on here next week to talk AEW and ROH. So that'll be next week's episode of Year in Review. Folks, thank you as always for listening. Um, We greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.